guess what? Welcome to the 200th episode of the Random Podcast from Heck. My name is Tony, and this is the podcast about random things in the world of entertainment, which includes movies, TV shows, and comic books. Big shout out to Dave McPhail. I'm out of breath already. Big shout out to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken. They are big supporters of the show. They've been supporters for so long. They're amazing. Uh, you can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash gmanfromheck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. And if you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. I am currently talking about the the CG Resident Evil movies. So um, I did what Damnation, the Degeneration and Damnation this week or something like that. There's three of them. And then... Uh, yeah, so you can hear about those. And sometimes I talk about comics. So it's, it's it's more podcasts, 30 minutes every week on top of this incredibly long podcast. So, uh, But if you can't commit to a monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash gmanfromheck. And you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or three. And that is ko-fi.com slash gmanfromheck. So this is a 200th episode. I don't have anything really special planned. I, I I very lightly thought, I was like, what could I do? And, but I didn't really think of anything. It's just, it's going to be another another awesome episode, right? Um, all I want to say is I, I am kind of proud of myself. I do want to give myself a little pat in the back. I've done this 200 weeks in a row and I, I haven't missed a week. So somehow I've done it. I, I'm not really sure how, but I've, I've managed to do it and I, I'm doing it for you guys. So I, I, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're listening. And I, I hope you've been, been enjoying it. I also debate is like, should I, sh- what's a bigger deal? The 200th episode or the 108th episode? Because that would be, you know, two years exactly. So I don't know. So there's 52 weeks in a year and all that stuff. Not counting leap year. So who knows? It doesn't really matter, right? Because we're just going to continue as 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 always so um as far as the news goes let's start with uh suicide squad there's a trailer came out i debated i was like do i want to watch a trailer i did watch the trailer it's pretty cool and um like one of the things you know idris elba's character you know he's he's he got arrested or in trouble because you know he put superman in the icu with a kryptonite bullet to the head and blah 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 all this stuff but it, it looks good. I, I have to say, I, I like the banter and, you know, we have all these obscure characters and <laughs> the when, when uh, Amanda Waller's giving a deep debriefing about the starfish, uh, watch the trailer, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> it was, uh, it's good stuff. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. So I, I can't wait. There's also a trailer for Shang-Chi and uh, something of the, the Ten Rings. And I have to say that this trailer looks better. Because, you know, when I saw the first trailer, I'm like, yeah, this looks cool. This is fine. I'm not super excited. You know, I was never biggest Shang-Chi fan. You know, I, I think he's cool in some of the appearances I've seen of him. But, you know, I wasn't like, oh, I can't wait. So it, it does look good. The only thing, it, it's the same thing. My only concern is is Aquafina. I only know her from the J- Jumanji movie. And it just, I'm, I'm all for humor in the Marvel movies. I love it. It almost feels like it's going to be too much. I mean, I, I don't want to base it off of just 
one line or two, you know, one, two scenes or whatever, but we'll, we'll see how it goes. And, um, I, I just, I, I also, I kind of want more of a Marvel connection because we'll, we'll see. Yes. I'm, I'm going to try to try to be optimistic, as optimistic as I can, but we'll see what's going to happen. Scarlett, speaking of Marvel, sort of Scarlett Johansson, not really Marvel. She's apparently going to be producing a new tower of terror movie at Disney. Um, no word if she's going to star in it. So, you know, Tower of Terrors, the uh, ride at Disney, used to be the ride at Disney until they changed it to Guardians of the Galaxy. But as a, a Twilight Zone. So I'm, I'm curious to see how that would be. I would love it if she was in it, but we'll, we'll see. So, so that's good that she's still working with Disney. You know, after, you know, is Black Widow going to be the last appearance we see of Black Widow? I would love if they've figured out some way around that. You know, it'd be so easy. But I, I don't know. I'm not going to hold my breath for that. So we'll see. Uh, Mortal Kombat Legends Battle of the Realms. So the next animated uh, Mortal Kombat movie was announced. It will be coming out in Blu-ray on August 31st, 2021. So I like the first one. Uh, um, oh man, I'm forgetting. It. Scorpion's Revenge. I'm pretty sure that was it. So I talked about that on, on podcast. And it was good. Uh, I, 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 I liked it. So I'm, I'm looking forward to this one. So we'll see. I wrote up about uh, about that, uh, some information on it on uh, entertainmentfish.com. So you can check that out if you're you're curious about more. The Boys Season 3, Lori Holden from Walking Dead and other things. She's been announced as Crimson Countess for the next season. I don't really remember Crimson Countess, which is, I mean, I... Pretty sure I read because I like I I don't even remember what the last issue I read most of the series and towards the end I started like trickling off and then I don't think I finished it because like you know, I think I, I mentioned when when Derek Robertson wasn't drawing as much or at all so I don't really know how the series ended but we'll see so that's that's good that she's in it I like her um, Harrison Ford injured himself on the set of Indiana Jones five. So uh, that's going to put a, a little halt to production. Uh, one thing I one headline I saw was like productions on hiatus, which is like that seems like the, I guess that's kind of the right word, but not really. So what, the movie's supposed to come out July 29th, twenty twenty two. So uh, hopefully, um, hopefully he's he's fine. Hopefully, I think it was like his shoulder he like pulled it or something like that. So hopefully it's not too bad, um, and hopefully. You know, that, that's the main concern. Second concern is hopefully it doesn't affect the production and release of the movie. So, I don't know. I mean, maybe they can try to do some other things around. I don't know. We'll have to, have to see. The Supernatural fans. So, I, I I think I've heard of that show before. I think it was on, uh, was it on like, wasn't it on uh, CBS or an ABC? No, it was on the CW. I'm kidding. So, uh, it's 15 seasons. Crazy long show and i haven't watched a single i've seen bits of it i know like one time i was at like a big o tires <laughs> not a plug i shouldn't mention it. getting new tires on my car or new tire i don't think it was tires anyways and it was like playing so I, I i don't really know much about the show someday maybe i'll start watching it anyways uh they're talking about doing a prequel show so jensen ackles who was uh, one of the the dudes <laughs> the show uh, he, he he's also the voice of batman in long halloween right um, him and his wife are they're going to be executive producers for this supernatural sequel and the show is supposed to f- focus on john and mary which is the parents of sam and dean i don't know <laughs> people are probably gonna flip out. i don't know um 
if Jensen was Sam or Dean. I mean, thank you, Sam. So, but Jensen is also going to return as a narrator. So that's, he can't get enough. So that that's cool. And uh, maybe they'll bring in some other people, right? We'll have to see. I mean, as long as it makes sense, if it's a prequel and I know there are some beings that could be, have been around and we'll see. Tom Welling mentioned that he and Michael Rosenbaum are working on a Smallville animated series. He did on someone's cameo and he's like, don't tell anyone though. It's a secret. He's like, we're still working on it. So he must've been joking, but it just seems like a weird place to announce it. And I can't imagine Warner brothers would be too happy that that's where it was announced. Cause you know, that would be something like, uh, like fandom, you know, they would announce it. Cause I was gonna say San Diego, but it's gonna be Comic-Con at home. So, um, yeah, hopefully he doesn't get in trouble. But what are they going to do? You know, he, he, he's not, they can't do anything. Just caught some comic news. <laughs> There's going to be uh, some uh, turn out. What was it? Oh, I forget what it's called now. Like the lights go out. <laughs> How can I not remember remember that? Anyways, uh, some big lights go out in the Marvel universe, and I don't. I have no idea. Tom Taylor's writing it. That's all I need to know. But some of the images, it's like, what is going on? Why are these people? Why are these characters like change so much? And uh, you know, I so I, I did mention. I, I mentioned that last week, right? I think I did, because there's like three promos that, that came out. But now some more came out, and and it, like one of the things, like, who were you when the lights went out, or who'd you become? So I was like, what? 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 I don't go, understand. And I think Tom Taylor said that this is the lights are going out forever, <laughs> so there's never gonna be any light. In the Marvel Marvel comics, so if you have any like solar powered calculators, <laughs> you are out of luck. <laughs> and uh, so, oh, it's a Spider Man news. Did I mention Nick Spencer's leaving? I, I don't remember if I mentioned that last week. So they've announced uh, the new. There's gonna be a bunch of people. There's gonna be. Oh, I don't have it in front of me, and I'm not gonna. I don't feel like clicking on it because it takes away to whatever. Zeb Wells, Kelly Thompson, um, Saladin Ahmed. Is that his name? Right. A dude who is written, he's like writing like She-Hulk and something else for Disney Plus. And I feel like there was one other person. Oh, uh, Patrick Gleason. Duh. So uh, they're going to be the writers. They haven't announced the artistic team yet, but the comics will be coming out thrice a month, three times a month. And um, some the promos that came out, there's one where like Mary Jane's kissing like a very battle damaged Spider-Man. So are they going to kill him? And then like one of the logos, it's like that's that Scarlet Spider logo. That's the blue. And uh, they're, they're, it's like Spider-Man Beyond. So basically what's going to happen is Ben Riley is back. And this is me trying not to get excited. He's going to be working with the Beyond Corporation. And he's determined to be like the best Spider-Man ever. Or the, the best Spider-Man he can be. And... Not really sure what this means, and you know we've seen images of him with like the new like his his Spider-Man costume with where like the legs kind of go up like along the back or like over the shoulders and and that. So I don't know. I mean, if you've been listening to the podcast, like Scarlet Spider, Ben Riley's appearance in the recent Iron Man, that has pissed me off. I, I it's it's just it's such it's ridiculous. He was like a security guard at a mall, or I don't know, it wasn't something like that. It was like something super ridiculous and just. Such an insult to the character, not just because I like him, but because this is he for all intents and purposes, he is Spider-Man. You know, he has he's exact same level as Spider-Man, just maybe not the experience. So 
we'll see what they're going to do with this. And I mean, that's why I, I'm not getting excited for this. When he came back, I'm not super crazy about how he came back. I had a better idea, <laughs> which you can read about it. Right? I've talked about it so many times, but I don't really like what they did to him. And then I don't like how he was kind of evil. And then I don't like that. He died so many times and kept getting like brought back and, and in his series, it came out. It was it was okay. It was it was fine. But then the whole like Las Vegas and hell and I don't know. So yeah, this is me. I I have no hopes. Um, but I mean, there is gonna be some really good people involved with it. So that I guess that actually that does make me a little hopeful. But I don't know. I'm just I'm very nervous, very very hesitant. So I I really don't know. And, uh, oh, I guess I should mention this. The last bit of news. So this is actually going to be... I didn't say it at the beginning, because whenever I say it, there's not a lot of news. I always jinx myself. Uh, this movie called Zack Snyder's Justice League is coming out on Blu-ray and 4K and all that stuff on September 7th. And um, people, <laughs> the Snyder army, are excited. And like one of the things Zack Snyder... He's he he's like rallying people up because he when he tweets about it, he's like canon. It's like, dude, it is not canon. You can't just say canon and get your followers all in an uproar about restoring the Snyder Cut, restoring this and that. You can't do it. I mean, Warner Brothers, whatever, whether you agree with them or not, they're like, no, it's not canon. So we have all of that because every once in a while it's like the stuff starts starts trending on Twitter and and I'll start just for the heck of it just start looking at these these people and again it's great to be excited about something they are so so into Zack Snyder and his his stuff and it's I mean part of me is like is this real I mean I you know I I'm passionate about things. But the way some of them talk about, like, this is the greatest thing ever. I mean, I don't think I'd say anything, like, you know, as much as I love, like, the Marvel movies or Star Wars movies or Twin Peaks, you know, I would never say, this is the best thing ever and everything else is subpar and not that they talk like that. So, I don't know. But um, just with the way some people, and, and I, you know, I don't want to say, like, all Zack Snyder fans are like this because I'm sure, you know, you know, there's different levels, different extremes. But just seeing some of the comments and everything, it kind of makes me not want to buy the movie because I'm just like, ah. but one, one like one comment. And again, you know, saw all different randoms, but someone's like FWB, this is going to sell out. I'm going to buy this. and everything. But it's like, dude, or if it was a dude by buying it, you're supporting Warner Brothers. And it's like, yeah, maybe Zack Snyder is going to get a cut. I hope. But it's like you're helping Warner Brothers. So he. <laughs> You can't can't really complain against them and whatever. So, so yeah, um, I still haven't watched it in black and white. I don't know if it makes it any better or not. But watching it once, and I don't know. Maybe someday. I just I don't know if I can bring myself to buying it. I don't know. I really don't know. I guess I have till September to think about it. And um, you can think about it, but for now, that's that's gonna be the news. For this week, for this two hundredth week, all right. With comic books at Image, we had Ascender number sixteen. So, like I always say, this is a comic you should be reading. You need to have read Ascender, Ascender first, and then no, Descender, 
<laughs> take that back. You need to read Descender and then Asunder. So we uh, kind of have some characters that have a little reunion, and you know, I, this is a. I, it always it's always tough for me to describe the series because I don't want to do spoilers in case you haven't read it. And I know it's silly because I spoil other books, but I feel that this is different because it doesn't have like decades of continuity and everything. So I really think you should be reading it. But anyways, for those who are, you know, we, we finally see some characters meet up and um, it's it's a moment that you, like, I'm sure you, like me, ha- have been waiting for. But of course, things aren't going to go as smoothly as, you know, everyone would hope. And, um, you know, we, we do see a couple of other characters off planet where, you know, they don't know. <laughs> I should just stop because like some characters think that they're dead. They don't realize they're still alive and. Uh, there's like yeah, bad stuff coming with with the mother and the witches or the evil ma- ma- all that stuff. So it's good. Uh, Jeff Lemire and Dustin Wynn, you should be checking it out. And uh, yeah, it, it's it's good stuff. Uh, Jules Verne Lighthouse number three came out. This one I kind of kind of stopped reading. That you know the second issue, the, the first issue I, I was intrigued with it. You know it's like this quote-unquote lighthouse like out in space by this sort of like i don't know i don't remember was it like a black hole some portal or something like that so they're, they're guiding people along as, as they you know fly next to it so they don't get sucked in or whatever but then there's these space pirates that came and 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 caused some some problems but now this one lady and her like robot not really a nanny robot but just like you know but it turns out that like there's something more going on with this girl and so yeah, uh, the second issue kind of lost me a little bit. So I, I have the third issue, and I was kind of flipping through it. I'm I'm still I don't know. I, I I liked some of the ideas here, but maybe I'm just not in the right mindset to to check it out now. But it's something that you know may, maybe you'd be into. Old Guard Tales Through Time number three. Uh, so here uh, we had uh, the first story was by Brian Michael Bendis and uh, Michael Avon Oming. And then I think Dave Walker, Robert McKenzie, Justin Greenwood to do the, the second story. So it's, um, I don't know, I, I think that this might be for like hardcore old guard fans. These are nice stories, but, you know, Tales Through Time, these are past moments through their, you know, because the, all these characters are basically mortal, you know, so they, they've lived a long time and they've had different adventures or meetups and stuff over the years. So we're getting little glimpses of that. That's cool and all. I feel like in a grand scheme of things, is it making any, like a huge impact on a character? I mean, it could help us understand them a little more and, you know, just to flesh out these, some of these missing moments. But so far, I mean, this is a third issue. It's, it's cool to see these other creators, you know, put their little stamp on, on the characters, but I feel like I haven't really, experience anything like hugely groundbreaking and and there really isn't the space for that here i don't know uh it it's an interesting concept but i just yeah it's just okay for for me but like i said you know maybe if you're like a, a diehard fan you know that you're gonna really be be digging that then um shadecraft issue four this book kind of changes a, a lot i mean there, there's such craziness going on so the story the deal was with shadecraft and this is another one i don't want to spoil too much like i definitely don't want to spoil the big huge develop I, yeah it's huge development that happens this issue we have this this girl who 
is like seeing of snakes, things in in shadow. It's kind of like she's scared of her shadow, whatever. But then it, it, she finds out like her like the shadow is kind of alive, and then it's kind of like her brother who got in a car accident, and he's been in a coma for like I think it's like a year. So she can like talk to her her somehow her brother's soul or whatever is in the shadow and like so she's she doesn't know what's going on and there's like these other shadow creatures that are kind of like after her like you know coming out of the shadows and everything then it turns out spoiler and this was like maybe like the second issue or third issue end of the second issue where the new guidance counselor at her school is actually like some like government lady or something like that that knows about the shadow stuff and i think there's even like a shade craft or you know organization or whatever so she's kind of helping her train her powers and everything like that and then she's kind of like you know this isn't your brother this is you know something that you've created and stuff like that so then she has to decide is it time to just you know she doesn't want to give up her her brother even if it's not her brother but then the shadow's like yeah you know you need to do this but then we find out some more kind of bonkers things this this issue so uh it, you should check it out. And I, I think it's getting ad- adapted. I forget if it's, I've, I don't know if it's Netflix or just somewhere else, but it, I've, I've really been enjoying this book. Okay. Then there was a spawn universe. Number one came out. I, um, I wasn't sure. Cause you know, I, I've tried p- picking up spawn again, like that. Re- I, I want to say recently, but it hasn't really been recently. And I just, I had no idea what was going on. So now we have this, I don't really know anything about this. Uh, I I've been meaning to, to check it out, uh, so I guess Todd McFarlane's doing the, the story, and uh, then the art. This is like this is like a seventy page comic or something like that. So Jim Chung does the main story, which is a reason why I, I want to check this out. Brett Booth does a gunslinger spawn story. Steven Segovia does a medieval spawn story, and Marcio Takara does she spawn. So. It's tempting. I don't really know what the deal is. So let me. That's a solicit for this. Says uh, double size issue that begins a storyline so huge that three new spawn related monthly titles will spill out from it, including. So it's just what we need, like more spawn books. I mean, I guess that could be good. So um, a new spawn title, Gunslinger Spawn Monthly, and a new team book bringing a handful of these characters together in their own book. So wait. Oh, no. So there's going to be a new Spawn title, a Gunslinger Spawn title, and then a new team book. Okay, I read that. It was worded kind of weirdly. Wait. Um, with this one shot, the world of Spawn changes forever. New heroes, new villains, and more importantly, new titles coming to a comic shop near you. Join this. Uh, yeah, so um, it's, it's, I mean, surprisingly, it's only $5.99. So that, that's a, a pretty good deal for, for the comic, considering, <laughs> you know, there's, there's like 80 pages or whatever. So, um, yeah, I, I did, uh, I do have a copy of that. I haven't, I was debating, I mean, it was just a Jim, Jim Chung. That was what, what sold me the main thing. Cause you know, I've been seeing him post like some spawn stuff on his Instagram. So, um, spawn fans, uh, got stuff to be excited about. Um, maybe if I remember, I'll try to talk about it next week. Uh, stray dogs. Number five came out. This book has, this is a, the last issue of the miniseries and, it's just been good stuff with with these dogs because basically what the story is the serial killer dude he's killing women 
and taking their dogs. So he like has all these dogs, but then they kind of don't you know remember stuff because you know limited memory or whatever you know brain capacity. But they um, they they stumble into this like his private room that you know he always keeps them out and or whatever. And one of the, the new dogs finds a scarf. And she smells like her her former master, and she's like, "I remember whatever." And and they kind of do some snooping around, and there's like other stuff and everything. So this guy's like sick and twisted. But what can these dogs do? It's not like they can pick up the phone and everything like that. And um, one of the dogs got in trouble, and actually, spoiler, got killed, and because you know it was where it shouldn't have been. And so yeah, things get pretty tense in here, and um, yeah, but it, it's been a surprisingly good series and i don't mean that in a bad way when i say surprisingly surprisingly good because it's a story about dogs and i mean i love dogs i get a deep you know space for them whatever my heart deep space uh it's it's just it's it's a brilliant story brilliant concept that i never would have thought that i'd be reading something like this okay then there's vinyl number one so i checked this out <laughs> i really don't know what's going on with this book so um it's uh, it's by Doug Wagner and Daniel Hilliard, who did a book called Plastic. Somehow I missed that. <laughs> and when I read about plastic, uh, plastic is a really bizarre story. So I guess plastic was about this serial killer who finally settles down with this lady, and he's you know he's not going to kill any anything more. But then his uh, this his girl whatever gets kidnapped. And they're trying to force him into killing someone or something like that. But then what you find out is his girlfriend is a sex doll, which is why it's called plastic, I guess. So that just seems kind of weird. This one. Okay. So this is a synopsis. Uh, so the Doug Wagner, Daniel Hilliard and Eisner award winner, Dave Stewart, um, are doing an unsettling tale of psychopaths, sweet love and serial a serial killer named Walter. When Walter's best friend, the FBI agent, they're not really best friends, the FBI agent charged with his capture is kidnapped by a death cult of all-female sunflower farmers, Walter finds himself deep within an underground labyrinth filled with secrets and monsters, but are their monsters more horrific than his? So reading this first issue, it's like, I don't, I have no idea what's going on. So this guy, Walter, it's like, I, it almost feels like he doesn't realize he's a serial killer. Cause there was like this opening scene where he has to have like this mask on. It's like kind of like a teddy bear mask or something. And there's something to do with like when he hears the music. So I don't know if he kills to the music or something like that. So he's meeting with this dude who's an FBI agent and, you know, he's not supposed to know. And, you know, he thinks that they're friends because, you know, I think it's, it's, it's been, a, you know, it's like a year since they've been like meeting and talking, and, but they're not best friends. And, but then the FBI agent gets taken and everything like that. And yeah, so I, it, it's just, it's, I'm intrigued with it, like where it's going to go. But I, the only reason I picked it up is because it was at number one and because I like vinyl records. So I was like, okay, let's see, you know, what, what this is going to be about. So definitely an interesting book and it, it's something different so you know that's that's the, the the cool thing to to check that out at boom studios um there was this book called good luck i tried checking out because it was the first issue um uh, so this is by matthew Ehrman and stefano simeon um it says what if luck was quantifiable and something everyone was born with Everyone except the unfortunates. Teenagers born with absolutely zero luck 
Now, with the world mysteriously plunged into chaos and reality itself threatened, they will be our only hope to save the world. Our last hope is those with no chance of success. The only thing anyone can wish them is good luck. So, bold new series for fans of Seven Secrets and Runaways um, from Matthew Ehrman and Stefano Simeon about defying fate against impossible odds. So, yeah, because, you know, it turns out there's like these two sort of like, you know, there's there's like a not I don't know if it's like a good luck God and a bad luck God or what. And somehow luck is quantified and it's not really clear so much. But then there's like this kid who has like no luck, but it almost seems like he has bad luck and not no luck. Cause like when he comes out of his apartment building, everyone's like freaking out. They're like, Whoa, you know, it's like, you're supposed to be going through the tunnels. You know, you're, you can't be, you know, you're going to cause, you know, an accident and all this stuff like that. So they're, and they're going through these like uh holo hologram training, virtual trainings or something like that to try to see if they can survive in order to go into it. And so it's just kind of weird. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't know. I mean, it, it's, it's definitely interesting, but it didn't like completely grab me right away. So I'll, I'll maybe check out the second issue to, to see with that. But um, that's probably like a horrible description of it too. So I, I apologize to those involved if I didn't sell it enough. But I am I'm kind of interested with this idea of you know luck being like something you can measure or whatever. Then there's uh, Something is Killing the Children, number 17. So I realized I still hadn't read issue 16 from last month. So I actually read 16 and 17, which was kind of cool. So 16 starts a, a new story arc. So if you haven't been reading the first issues, you can start with 16 and 17. And then you definitely absolutely want to read 1 through 15 because this is an amazing series. This is by James Tynan uh, IV. But here we find out... so. Uh, the the main character who's like this monster hunter we we see it's basically her origin story we see her as like a little kid and we find out how she was brought into the house of slaughter and everything like that and and everything so it's um definitely there's there's something i don't know what it is about seeing this little girl you know her her parents were killed and best friend were killed by this monster but she was somehow helped defeat it which was like something unheard of and everything so that's how she was like kind of recruited into this and so um, it's it's I'm I'm really enjoying this. I almost I almost like this a little more than like the first story. Maybe it's because we're finding out more about her. And in in the first arcs, like you know, you don't know anything about her. She's just you know like what what's up with this girl? And you know, and by girl, she's I don't even know how old she is. You know, she's a young adult. But it's uh, I highly recommend this this series. So so you definitely should be reading that. Over at DC Comics, so we have Action Comics 1032. And this one, I, I'm not like super excited about the the Superman books. I, I don't know what it is. So with this one, um, this is War, War World Rising Part 2. So this ship kind of arrived at Earth, and there's like kind of these refugees on there, and they spoke this old like dead Kryptonian language, but they're not like Kryptonians, and so Superman's trying to figure out like what's up with them. And they, you know, they have like the, the S symbol like branded onto their skin. So he's like, he's like, confused and they're wrapped in chains, but there's something with the chains too. It's like, they don't want to give up their chains. Like they're, they're very adamant about that. There's also this power source and Atlantis has kind of claimed it because it landed in, in their waters. 
but you know there there could be some some dangers with that. And like Steve Trevor shows up and trying to claim it for the government, and you know just talking to Aquaman. Aquaman's like, "Hey, I'm not the leader of Atlantis anymore. I don't speak for them." Because he's like, "You need to tell them to turn it over." And but then Arthur is like, "Well, you know, I don't really speak for them, but I'm pretty sure that if you you know try to take it, you know, you're gonna have a war because you know it's just like this huge power thing, whatever." So uh, um, it's definitely interesting, and in, you know what this has to do with uh, War World. And I'm just kind of I'm I'm a little concerned that this means Superman is going to you know why are we getting the Son of Crypt Son of Superman book you know that that's, that's coming out which is going to be cool but in the future state books you know one of the future storylines Superman was off on War World fighting for like the other people and he was a uh, slightly depowered not completely depowered but I, I'm kind of afraid that that's what's going to happen and it's just not something that I. I want or really cared to to see. I don't know if we'll even get any stories of that, or it's just like, okay, Superman's gone, so John is now is going to be the Superman and and take over, and then we will get some stories with him taking Superman's place. Which you know, I'm looking forward to that. I'm not super crazy, you know. I don't think we need to w- get rid of characters, but w- whatever. So we'll have to see what's going on there. And then in this issue. Which I, I don't really understand why we have this, but we have the Midnighter backup stories, and I'm just not a huge Midnighter fan, so it just feels weird to have the Midnight, you know, Midnighter stories in this comic. Because like, if I'm getting this comic, I'm getting it for Superman. I'm not getting it for Midnighter. And you know, I, I keep saying before the last Midnighter series, I I enjoyed that, but I just I, I don't know. I'm just like not really interested in reading Midnighter right now. And so I don't know. Uh, Batman Superman issue 19. This is continuing. I don't even know what this um, archive of worlds. Um, so it's continuing this storyline. It's it's interesting seeing like this different version of Superman and then Batman and Robin. You know, it's kind of like old school versions, but they're going through like different worlds and everything like that. And they come across with like the creator you know, who's in charge of this and they're, they're trying to sort things out. It's an interesting story and everything like that, and I, I'm I'm digging the art, but I'm just I'm not like super loving the story. And I think it was announced or maybe it was revealed in a solicit that this series is ending. That's unfortunate, um, but it it's almost like okay, I'm I'm I kind of okay with it because. I don't know, just the, the series, the overall, the series, even like in the beginning, I mean, it was created to tell more stories with like the Joker who laughs and infecting, you know, the, I just, I don't know. It doesn't feel like it's been, it's absolutely necessary. I like Superman and Batman teaming up, but with them having different books, it's almost like, where does this fit in? And I know we don't necessarily need to worry about that. Just enjoy the stories. But also if Superman is going off planet, whatever, then it's not going to make sense. So maybe it's just. You know, all these various reasons, that's why it's coming to an end. Batman Reptilian. This is a, this is a good book. Uh, so this is Garth Ennis and Liam Sharp. So I remember when this was first announced, uh, um, Liam Sharp, his art. I, I'm a big fan of Liam Sharp's art. I mean, and it's like so versatile. It, it looks so different. I mean, he has he mixes things up from, from time to time. Like, uh, I, I just recently supported his kickstarter book like the art of liam sharp and it was totally i somehow missed it and it was it was like literally like under 30 seconds before the campaign and, and i was able to you know jump in there and and, and get a book so uh and uh, he's also a super nice guy from w- when i i got the chance to interview and everything 
not that that, that stuff matters, but it does matter because I mean, it's 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 great when creators aren't jerks when when they're you know they're super nice guys because it makes you happy to want to support them when they have got talent and when they're they're decent human beings. So I'm happy to you know support and uh, uh, you know talk about this book i was like tempted to write a attempted i wanted to write a review for it but i just haven't been able to just get a hang of things they're still like you know trying to read all the comics and watch everything you know for the podcast it's just it's taking up so much of my time and i'm still just trying to get used to you know i'm not teaching right now you know i'm in summer vacation but it's still i'm just i have my hands full i don't know what's going on anyways this book um it's a black label book so it's kind of like a little, little, lot more, um, not elevated, but it's a little darker and everything like that. So that makes it kind of interesting. Well, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm usually like, oh, we don't need, you know, we don't need a mature Batman book or whatever. But what I like about this is it's not, it's not like sexually graphic or anything like that so far, but it, it it's just a little darker with, in terms of the violence. And, um, it just makes things a little more intriguing and, we may potentially have some some characters dying, some villains dying, and because it's black label, it's that puts it like in a different continuity. So you could do that. And uh, while I'm not a fan of character any co- comic character's death, because you know if you why kill off a character just to resurrect them later? Because you know you don't want to throw away a good character. You, you, you don't even want to throw, you know, why throw away a bad character when, you know, someone down the road could come up with like a super cool idea or twister. So anyways, we have like something happening here, which which is definitely intriguing. And I'm, I'm curious to see what's going to happen. But it, there is a, it opens up and I don't want to give too much away where, you know, there, there, there's this uh, like press conference, this big dude, I think he's like a heavyweight fighter. You know, he was accused of like raping a couple women or whatever. And he was a... Uh, he was for cleared of charges and sort of doing a press conference and everything like that. But, you know, Batman had said some things against him, but he's just this mass vigilante. So, you know, what can he say? And, and, and Batman's there and then he, he kind of crashes the, the press conference or not even, even a press conference, just, you know, the, the lawyer talking. And, uh, he, he tries like, uh, pushing the, the accused guy. Cause you know, he's this huge dude too. And, uh, so I kind of like it's, it's it's a little silly, maybe a little. I don't know if it's cheesy or cliche or anything, but it's it's kind of cool to see that you know Batman would would do this, and so I, I won't say anything more about that. But apparently, um, the like the intro, uh, Liam Sharp says that you know this was meant for Steve Dillon, that you know he's like I'd much rather you be here with us and do this book, and then you know the me have the opportunity to do this, and so that that's you know kind of sad or anything, but. Uh, Liam Sharp's artist is just amazing. So definitely, if you're looking for something a little different, if you're if, if you're not looking, if you're looking to get away from just a continuity and and you know the being tied to all the books and all that, definitely jump in here. And and this is something that you know you can just read separately and not have to worry about all that. So it's a uh, I, I I I approve. Checkmate issue one. This is by Brian Michael Bendis and Alex Malieve, and. Uh, I I'm just okay with this so far. It feels like I mean it's it's pretty much a continuation from uh, Event Leviathan, and I just I was I don't know what happened with that book. For me, it just it didn't really excite me. I I hate to say you know there there's some big ideas and a lot of you know the big mysteries and big you know this or that coming up and happening, but I don't know it just 
it just didn't quite blow me away as much as I thought it would or I felt it should. So, you know, we definitely have some mysteries going on and, you know, we have, you know, a lot of the, the, the core characters, you know, so it's, it's, it's cool to see, you know, Talia kind of working with them now, maybe, but we have like Green Arrow and Lois Lane and yeah, but I, I think for me, the, the big thing was this dude, Mark Shaw, it's like, who the heck is this guy? And, uh, you know, you know, he's, he's like the, the main antagonist and, I, I think that that's what makes it for me like hard to like, okay, whatever. I don't know who this dude is. And maybe that's just my fault for not, not knowing, but yeah. So um, I'm sure there's going to be some, some big things happening. And, um, and I'll just also mention that uh, Damien is, is in this, this issue as well. So, so some good setup going on, I guess detective comics. So I'm, I'm I'm kind of I'm interested in the story, but so there's this you know this woman. Some people have been killed, and this uh, rich dude. He's a big, huge guy. He's just like he's like unhinged, basically. You know, he's rightfully upset about his daughter getting killed and everything like that. And uh, there is a word that she was with Bruce Wayne. You know, he, so she's dead. But then Lady Clayface what took her form and was heard like at Bruce Wayne's place. So this guy think, you know, the, the police come, they, they take Bruce Wayne and because this, another neighbor was killed. So they're like, Oh, did Bruce Wayne do it? But it's like, it's silly because a neighbor said that she heard this dead girl, this dead lady, not girl, this dead lady inside his apartment. But it's like, she's, she's dead. <laughs> she's, you know, rightfully dead. They know she's dead. And, uh, but so then this dude, he, with all his power, he gets all the police to leave the the precinct. So he's not at the main GCPD station, I guess. You know, he's in an uh, adjacent station, whatever. And he gets everyone to leave except for Bruce. And then he like shoots it like a rocket at the building and blow it up. And then he ends up getting arrested and he's like let out <laughs> like an hour or so like that. So it's like, what the heck is going on? But another, <laughs> oh, Victor Bogdanovich is doing the art, which I love. But there's one point where he's in a car with a dude. He has his gun. This gun is like a handgun. It's a pistol, but it's like bigger than the, the dude's head that he's holding it up against. So it's like, holy crap. These bullets are like the size of your head. So it's like this a little cannon gun. But it's uh, I also like Huntress being here, so there's there's some some cool things, and then there's a there's a backup story here, which does make sense because it's Penguin and it is related to the main story. So I that I think is what you should do if you're gonna do you know if you're insisting on giving us backup stories to make the page count higher so you can justify the higher price tag, which is kind of weird, but I guess that's how it works somehow then, you know, it, it should be more closely connected like this. Harley Quinn issue four came out. I didn't read this, uh, as you know, as I've been saying with the other issues, I, it's just been hard for me to get into it. And I, as much as I dig Riley Rosmo's art, it just, it makes it feel like, I don't, I don't know. Like it, it just, it's a little more, I mean, it's very stylistic and it's, it can be like over the top and everything like that. And, I, I don't know. So, although I'm looking at a preview page now in DC app, I'm seeing, seeing Harley like playing chess with Solomon Grundy, and now I'm kind of interested in what's going on here. I, 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 it's just it's really hard for me to get into seeing how Harley in like recent issues of Batman 
how she's kind of like evolved a little bit and changed and, and she's kind of working more with Batman, you know, like he's kind of condoning her, you know, proving her. And then this just felt, I don't know, like it just didn't feel the same. And it's like, that's just same. So for me, it was a kind of like a continuity thing. And it, it, it's probably just the, you know, difference of writers, which, you know, shouldn't be a, a major thing, but it's just been hard for me to, to, to get into because of, the art style. I mean, if this was like a mini series or something else, and I'd be like, okay, yeah, or like not a mini series, like a like oh, out of continuity or something. So I don't know. It's just a stupid personal like problem that I'm I'm having. But Infinite Frontier, you should definitely check this out. The opening pages. The spoiler. I don't know if this is. I should have checked if this is what's in the preview. But for this, it has a like a pretty crazy like opening. Okay, so I can spoil this because it, it's in the preview pages. But like a a ship lands on on Earth, and it's a Flashpoint Batman in there in the ship. It's like what Flashpoint Batman, and then uh, this couple comes up. They're like, "That's not our Batman." He's like, "Must be from someplace else." And they're like, "You know, call Calvin, which is President Superman." So he's on Earth twenty three. So somehow that happened. And uh, so basically what what other things that are covered in here, we, we get some stuff with Alan Scott and his his kids, you know, Obsidian, you know, they're, they're meeting up and they're, they're talking about how Alan recently came out of the closet, you know, to his kids and everything like that. And, you know, just, just dealing with everything like that. And then um, there's some stuff with Abby Chase and director, what's his name? Mr. Bones, director Bones, you know, he comes to her and, and he's saying, yeah, the DEO is, is coming back. And she's like, whatever, I'm, I'm done with that. And I hate you, by the way. But he kind of um, is making her come back. Uh, then uh, this Justice Incarnate, um, they, they talk to uh, Flashpoint um, Batman. There's some stuff with Flash where he um, makes a discovery. So there is, and I don't know if there's too much spoilers, but again, this is why you're going to want to buy this. So we saw recently the all these like higher beings who were like with Wonder Woman, and because uh, there was like the Spectre, there was a Phantom Stranger, and there was I don't I don't remember if it was Ganthet or another Guardian of the Galaxy where something happened to them, like they were wiped out. So you know, there's a little follow up with that, and then uh, there is mention of another crisis. So, you know, that might get your interest. And then, oh, and throughout all this, it turns out that uh, people are now aware of the multiverse, that they're aware it exists. That seems like a kind of risky move, you know, for regular people to just to comprehend the idea that there are other versions. I, I guess my big thing is what if someone's like, yeah, I didn't do it. That was a, you know, that was a different version for me from another multiverse. You know, how can you prove it? How can you not prove it? You know, you can say, yeah, I was having I was having lunch with my, my buddy over here. And, you know, he's totally lying. And so whoever you saw at the crime scene or whatever, that wasn't me. That was me from another Earth. I, I don't know how you can do that. So anyways, there, there's all that stuff going on. And um, there's also some, some crazy stuff with Roy Harper. And uh, I just, I can't, I in good conscience i can't spoil that but it's it gets pretty nuts so roy is back because you know he was recently killed in uh heroes in crisis and i I won't go on about that but it's a something's definitely going on there justice league 63 
so follow up with uh, going over to Naomi's world and how their their powers are getting all wonky and then coming back and um, yeah so there's uh, some some more more stuff with that and basically that uh, you know Naomi being invited to the Justice League and what about Black Adam you know it's not really a spoiler because he's been rumored to be in it or whatever so um yeah okay so and then there's a uh, more to was there more justice league dark stuff going on here which um that that for some reason i don't know what it is it's not clicking for me a miracle man uh future state miracle man issue two source of freedom came out i'm not reading that someone convinced me why should i be reading that because i wasn't blown away with the future state book so oh, with the future state um mr miracle i just i didn't even i don't even know who he is i know it's someone else so am i missing out on something tell me why i should be reading that um and I, i'm not being like sarcastic or you know anything like that because it's just i just have no interest in a future state book with this other character who i don't know who it is but maybe i'm missing out on something pretty cool Robin issue three came out some more. He's, you know, in this tournament, uh, the Lazarus uh, fighting thing. And uh, he's he's going around and uh, what's her name? Rose Ravager. She's, you know, trying to get him to relax a little bit. And, uh, you know, just trying to get him to, you know, it, it's nighttime. So she they sneak out and go to like the other side of the island where bunch of people are hanging out and just you know not necessarily partying but kind of relaxing and just enjoying themselves and stuff like that and you know it's hard for for damien to 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 let loose and everything but then he he meets up against connor hawk or you know they they, they he comes across him and they actually start talking and they because you know they're aware of who each other are and they know that each of them have fathers that are very like similar in a lot of ways so um it's almost like they're starting to get along but they're going to end up having to fight. So there's going to be like that, that big thing. In. And Connor's supposed to be like Damien's like biggest uh, threat or biggest challenge. So we'll, we'll see about that. Superman 32. This, um, I'm not super excited about this either. So this is Superman and John on this alien planet. Cause you know, there was this like, you know, call for help from like, you know, this, this alien creature that, that uh, Superman knew yeah, it's just dealing with this this alien entity thing that's like taking over people and controlling them. And Superman kind of gets caught up, so it's like, can Jonathan help them and save them and save his dad and and stuff like that? And it's more about you know making you know Jonathan a better you know a, he's going to be like a a better Superman than Superman is type of thing is is what they're they're trying to make us believe. And then Teen Titans Academy issue four. So there's more on the question of who is um, Red X and uh, the Bat Patrol or whatever. You know they're they're trying to figure things out. You know they have a list of suspects, even though they're not supposed to be investigating this. And uh, they're kind of wondering, like, is Billy Batson? Is it you know? Is it, they're trying to figure out like, who who's in charge and everything like that. And um, Donna Troy, when she finds out that they're looking, she's like yells at them. She's like, you need to drop this and stuff like that. So. Um, it's kind of interesting because I have no idea, and so I, I like a good mystery, and I just wonder like how long will this go? It's it's that weird thing where you don't want to know right away because once you find out, then it's not exciting, but at the same point, you don't want it to drag on 
unnecessarily because then it's it starts getting boring, and so it's it's a it's a tough one. Wonder Woman seven seventy four came out, which I did not read because it's a she was in with Asgard. So looking at this, Olympus has fallen. So now there's stuff with the Greek gods, which that's maybe closer to like her, but um, I just I didn't. And there's a backup story with young Wonder Woman, so I, I didn't read that. And then there's Wonder Woman Black and Gold issue one. That was weird. I, I just clicked on it. It's like, this is currently not on Comixology. So I'm on the, the DC app, which is powered by Comixology. But it was weird because it, it said that. So this story, um, this is another one of those, like, Batman Black or Black Harley Black, White, Red or whatever. You know, all these different colored Superman Red and Blue so this is Wonder Woman black and gold. So it's basically black and white with gold. And there's, you know, some cool creators involved here. But at the same time, you know, as I'm reading these, it's it's that same situation where it's like, okay, do you want to, you know, fork out your money for this? And I think, it one, it really depends on how much do you love the character? And two, how much do you love any creators involved? Because, you know, if there's like certain creators that you want to see, like, okay, that I, I'm dying to see what, you know, so-and-so will, will do with, with this or something like that. So, uh, for me, I started reading it. I didn't finish it. It was, um, it was fine. You know, it's, it's 45 pages. So, you know, there's a lot of content here, but it just, I wasn't like blown away. So, it's, it's that tough thing. It's, it's more like where you're like, hey, I just want something random to read. And I don't want to worry about the continuity part, so you you know you can pick that up. But at the same time, it's a goes into that. How much you know? What is your comic book budget? And you know how much or how much even for me, it's more like how much time do you have to you know read all these books? And that's where it gets hard. Where while I'd be curious to read them, but it's like I feel like I'm just I'm so exhausted trying to rush to read all these comics so I can record it again. So that's just it puts me in that weird situation where you know i want to read the book i want to support the book i want to support the creators but it's just it gets hard for me to find a time when there's so many other books then over at marvel we had amazing spider-man issue 69 so here there's a couple storylines so the chameleon conspiracy is still going on and uh, we have Teresa parker you know coming face to face with the finisher that that's his name right the dude supposedly who killed her her and peter's parents and you know she's like why do i want to work with you why don't you know whatever so you have that um peter is trying to save his uh classmate who they're working on that predictor device whatever because uh this guy was using it to gamble at this you know gangster gambling place and kind of got in over his head and so now he has to steal a power source from the college and everything like that so they're dealing with that and then um also ned Leeds is supposedly back and when he finds out that the you know the foreigner is involved with this you know so he's gonna get involved so i don't know what's going on and you know all this on on top of the just spider-man news like i don't know what's what's going on in the comics uh captain marvel so carol wants to learn magic because the last the recent story arc spoilers uh you know she was sent to the future she ended up in the future and she finds out that like most of the heroes you know a lot of people are dead because of this guy what's his name ove 
and he's a son of Namor and Enchantress. So I just spoil like whatever the last last story arc. Sorry. So he escaped through time. So he we she doesn't know when he's gonna pop up. You know he could pop up tomorrow or you know rather than because you know Enchantress and and Namor they're not even an item. You know it's like not even hinted at. So you know it's gonna be years off. But she's trying to learn magic to prepare because Ove has magic abilities because his mom is enchantress and she taught him some stuff or whatever. So uh, Doctor Strange doesn't want to help her, doesn't want to teach her magic. And he's kind of convinced like everyone else not to either. So she's like, well, okay, I'm going to go to enchantress and, uh, and, and try to learn some magic. And she's like, why would I help you or whatever? And she's like, well, one, I won't tell Thor that you escaped from his prison. Cause we just, saw, and there's an editor's note, which I'm glad that they, acknowledge it because you know she was just seen in strange academy and, you know she's locked up so somehow she escaped and whatever so um but then is the thing with enchantress like can you trust her or, or not because she's like okay first we need to steal this item that's like you know it's an atlantean thing whatever so we'll see how, how that goes um fantastic four life story issue two so this is by mark russell he's he's writing it um sean isaac's and Daniel is doing the, the art. Daniel Kuna does the cover. Um, so this is basically Fantastic Four in real life. So, you know, we went, they got their powers in the 60s. So now we're in the 70s. And things are, aren't as super upbeat because they, you know, they have Franklin. They have a kid. Sue is left taking care of him all the time. So, you know, she doesn't go out in the missions. She has to stay at home. Reed is like obsessed because he got a glimpse at Galactus. So he's like, Galactus is coming. So I need to, you know, try to figure out how to stop him and everything like that. So he's uh, barely spending time with the family. And because like at one point, like Franklin, he's like, is Dr. Richards coming to dinner or whatever? And she's like, that's, that's dad, whatever. And so, uh, and like one, one, one part where they're fighting the thinker, and he he figures he has them all captured, but like Sue wasn't even there. You know, they, they a lot of time they go out and they're like, oh yeah, she's invisible. She's just not talking. So uh, and then uh, Reed's been working with Doctor Doom, Victor Von Doom, I should say, and you know trying to prepare for some things and um, things don't quite go so smoothly and things between Reed and Sue start getting um, a little strained. Strained. Uh, so yeah, it's it's hard to read because it's not what you want or what, what you know. Fantastic Four is about family, and you know there's some like harsh or harder relationships happening or whatever here. So not that it's a bad thing, but you know it does drive the story. But it just makes it harder as a a fan of the characters to say, like, oh man, I don't like seeing the characters like this. But that's also what makes it you know a little interesting. Gamma Flight issue one. <laughs> so. I, I hate to say this, but it's like who who's asked who asked for this book? I I for me okay we got Puck. I'm I'm always interested in Puck because you know Alpha Flight. So we have Puck. We got Absorbing Man and Titania, which I'm kind of interested in them. You know, as, as they were working to to capture like the Hulk and stuff like that. This Gamma Flight thing. You have uh, Doc Samson, who is like uh, Wendigo. He's like merged that from the pages of Immortal Hulk and everything. And there, there's a, and then like Rick Jones is like this weird monster, like he's merged with this other kid, and I just, I, I don't know what's going on in here, and um, it's just weird. I mean, I'll, I'll read it to see, see what's going on, but yeah, I, it's, it's just, I'm, I'm kind of confused. 
Uh, but bravo for getting the book out for, for those involved. Guardians of the Galaxy, issue 15. I, I'm not super excited about this book. And um, I, one, I'm not super crazy about like what happened to Star Lord. Like, you know, he went off, he, he lived like lifetimes with this other, you know, he has a kid that's like probably grown up and, and you know, it's, he just feels so different and it just doesn't feel like Star Lord. And there, there's like some stuff with their new position as like, you know, pe- not peacekeepers, but like um, shares of the, of the universe type of thing. You know, they're guardians of the galaxy. So they're, they're doing some different things. And we have like all these different characters. It just, it doesn't feel like guardians. And I know, you know, we can't necessarily have the same thing all the time because that can get boring or whatever. But it's just, I don't know. It just, it feels, feels different. Then we got Heroes Return, number one. So it's it's kind of, um, I don't know if this is the, the last issue, but it's kind of ra- like wrapping things up between the Heroes Reborn stuff and how everyone forgot about the Avengers and the Squadron Supreme is like taking over. So now the Avengers are kind of in, you know, they're, they've formed back together. Somehow does the um, Star Brand baby is like a little girl now. So somehow she aged. And she's like talking and like swearing, and apparently, like when they they go back to changing every you know to the real world, she she's like the only one who hasn't changed, you know. So she's still like a talking little girl, and she's like, "Don't call me a bleeping baby." It's like okay, so I don't know about, about that. Uh, and then um, yeah, so the squadron's still kind of around, you know. They they kind of have brief loose memories of what happened before maybe i don't know so yeah we have all that uh there's a marvel's voices pride came out so it's an 82 page book it's like i think it's like ten dollars or something like that uh my my problem with this is one the, the art is a lot of weird like the choice of artists and everything and i i don't want to critique artists or anything but a lot of the style just seems a little off or whatever and what it seems like a lot of these stories, you know, for one, I'm I'm glad that this book is out. I'm glad this book is available. That it's celebrating LGBTQ, you know, whatever plus characters and all, all that. It's um, something that should be accepted. It's not something that should be hidden. I don't like when characters are retconned into you know being certain, whatever. You know, I I, I get why that is done you know rather than just creating new characters like okay we're establishing a character that whatever you know that's fine but a lot of these stories it's it's all about them kissing and hugging and like relationship stuff and it's it's just weird i can't really speak on you know on behalf of the lgbtq plus community but it's just weird when you look at a straight character it's not i mean there's gonna be some romance involved but it's like all of these it just really leans towards the relationships so i i I don't know i mean is is that what what people want uh i'm i'm all for it you know like you know hulkling and wiccan you know they're they've been how long have they been like out and a couple and you know that's fine but it's just weird because like when I'm trying to think back and, and maybe I just didn't notice it because it was just so accepted, you know, accepted. 
um, by society or whatever, mainstream or you know whatever you want to talk about. But like when Spider Man and um, Black Cat were together, and you know they would go on, on adventures and stuff together, they weren't like hugging and kissing all the time. Maybe there are some moments where it's like, oh, they wake up in the morning and they're laying next to each other, or you know, or there might be a, an allusion to them like diving into bed. But it just seems like there's a lot of kissing and, and hugging, and and that's fine. But it seems like that's more of the story than actually like something happening, you know, like some adventure or anything. I don't know. I'm curious how I, I should see, like, I should look up to what the reviews were and to see, are there any, like, hopefully non-prejudiced reviews? You know, I'm, I'm just, I'm really curious what the community thinks of, of these books, if, if they're happy with it or if it's just, if it's what the perception is that they might, might want. So I don't know. Reptile, reptile issue two. This, I was kind of curious with the, the first issue. This one kind of, kind of took a little dive for me. There's some things that really bothered me. So, you know, we have reptile where, you know, I'm, I'm not super crazy about the character, but I'm willing to give him a chance and, you know, see what, what's going on. And, and I, I like the, okay, the Latino angle that this isn't something that we see a whole lot, but his, um, I, I forget if they're his cousins or whatever, and you know one of his cousins is uh i think he's gay which again is fine so that that's cool you know include that whatever but then the, the his uh girl cousin she somehow taught herself magic and you know she has absolutely no training no, no you know she's not a mutant or anything like that she just somehow she she can make a portal to the dinosaur world where reptile got his crystal from or whatever like that she just, you just learn magic. You just, and maybe that's how it happens, but she's just like doing this stuff. And the whole thing we're seeing, like we've seen recently, Dr. Strange is like, you know, with there's a price when it comes to magic, there's a cost. And she's just like doing this. And I, I just, I, I don't, I don't know. So it's just, it kind of lost a little credibility with me because, you know, if this is going to be in the Marvel universe, if you're trying to establish this character and set him up and everything, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh yeah, I can do magic, you know, bloom, bling, that makes things like just too convenient. And uh, I don't know. So that, that was unfortunate. Cause I was like, I'm, I'm going to give this book a, a chance. You know, the, the first issue was, was pretty decent. So we'll see. Um, sword number six. Did I read this? I think I did. Yeah. Okay. I'm losing track of it. it. Was one thing I do applaud with these the the X Men books, you know, with the the Hellfire Gal and everything like that. We're seeing a lot of like kind of not a lot, but there's like little moments of overlap, like you know the continuity. So that's what's cool for readers is that it's showing that they're connected. So they there's got to be some coordination going on and everything. But every once in a while, you see like a scene of different things that happen. Like in one of them. Um, one of the issues, I don't know if I'm going to recall it off the top of my head without reading through everyone. Um, maybe it was sword where Magneto and I, I think it was Magneto and Wanda have a little encounter. She comes to the gala, you know, she wasn't sure if she was going to come because, you know, a lot of people don't like, you know, mutants don't like her because of what she did, you know, the no more mutants and, and Magneto, you wanted to talk to her, and she's like, you know, I'm not your daughter, right? He's like, but, spoiler, he's like, yeah, but it's like, you are my daughter. You know, I will be, you know, be your father. So that was a, was a nice moment. And then it was in a way of X, I'm jumping around here now, where um, Nightcrawler's 
just drink i'll get to this in a second but you know he's drinking and anyways he's kind of like almost like passing out and you see like wanda and and magneto like hugging like in the background so i, I thought that was cool that they, they did all that so anyway sword is dealing with you know the ramifications uh you know when they did this we're gonna terraform mars and ta-da surprise and everyone's just like holy crap they just did this and you know we didn't know anything about this and so that's just seems kind of nuts and everything like that but there's like some conversation with other people like you know captain america and dr doom have this this talk which is was kind of neat and everything like that so i don't know where that's going so I'm, I'm, I'm a little, little concerned with that. Um, I guess I'll just jump into the X-Men books. Um, so way of X or cause then I think you're supposed to read Magne or Wolverine next. So Wolverine is dealing with, uh, so these, uh, whatchamacallits, these, uh, other beings, creatures, they're starting to attack. It's just basically I'm trying to, to fight them like at the party at the gala where you know because the, they're claiming that they were brainwashed into signing a treaty for Krakoa and there's like these plant like creatures things or whatever and I totally feel like I, I missed something here but going on with that and then it turns out like a beast is kind of being a jerk and kind of like was agreeing like okay with like forcing them to do this and but sage is like you can't do this and whatever so there, there's some fighting there and then way of x i'm not super crazy about about this but this one is this where we see yeah we get a lot of drunk nightcrawler here he was almost like annoying with just i mean he's just like drinking so much and like at one point you know he finds out that megan megan and uh brian braddock captain former captain Britain, that you know she's pregnant and so he then he like teleports to her and, like just like jumps out. he's like oh is that true he's just like he's like oh and i'm over you and I'll, it's just like you know if you ever been in a party where like someone's just like drinking way too much and it's just it's just like dude um yeah and then um there's some other stuff that uh happens with uh with with uh what's his name legion <laughs> my favorite and um yeah, uh, some hints of onslaught and everything like that. So I don't know about that, but um, there's supposed to be like the big murder happening at the gala, right? Isn't that what what Magneto's the trial Magneto's supposed to lead to? And it's like the gala is kind of over because they're even talking about an after party on Mars, and so maybe that's where because Magneto's I think accused of killing someone, but we'll have to see. Better not be Scarlet Witch. So then going back, Silk issue four came out. This series has been okay. I, f I feel like too many people are, are getting an idea of who Silk is, like her identity. But so we, we find out that this uh, Saya, this girl that, you know, this evil girl that, you know, she's Silk has been kind of fighting. She finds out that she's actually Silvermane's daughter. So she has a sit down with Silvermane and he like, kind of like tells her the whole story, which is kind of weird. But then, um, yeah, because then, because Saya is, I think what bothers me is like she's working with this cat demon and it just, it kind of seems a little, I don't want to say silly, but it is kind of silly. I don't know. So there's some, some craziness there. And then at the end, uh, uh, so now Silk is like worried, you know, she's like, oh, is, is someone going to, this you know because he doesn't know i think she's worried that silvermane might know her identity but she's not really sure and then so she you know rushes back to her apartment to see if her brother's okay 
and then there's like someone waiting for her in her room so it's like you know this person knows her identity which okay and then there is a uh, x-men legends issue four so this is uh the second issue louise simonson walt simonson x-factor story so x-factor versus uh cameron hodge and uh you know with apocalypse watching and you know all this stuff like that so it's interesting seeing this because this takes place um before what is it, issue x factor 43 so some things that were set up with like when they had the a celestial ship that apocalypse had that they took from apocalypse and everything like that so it's it's cool to to go back and just think about those issues because it's been so long since i've read those so so it's it's cool i'm 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 enjoying this um you know x-men legends you know that were they're taking the original like creator writers and kind of filling in the gap or doing something like that so i, I think that's cool and also, um, I believe, I think that's it. Uh, no, 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 no. I almost did it again. Star Wars Darth Vader came out. So I did read uh, Star Wars. Um, I think it was Star Wars. And um, were there, and so we're just trying to find the stuff. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to remember what happened that issue. But with uh, Star Wars Darth Vader, it's a... Uh, not super like connected to the the Han stuff, the you know, War of the Bounty Hunters. Basically, you can see on the cover, Darth Vader fights IG eighty eight, and you know he's trying to figure out because Darth Vader is basically he he wants to get Luke Skywalker because you know he he knows that he's basically Luke's potential is kind of threatening Darth Vader's place, so he just wants to get rid of Luke. And he figures the way to get to Luke is to get find out you know where Han is, and he knows that you know Boba Fett had him, and then now someone else has him, and stuff like that. So he's trying to figure that out, and then this is going to bring in um, Crimson Dawn and stuff like that. So there's it's, it's like a subtle little subtle connections you know with the big story. So it is kind of cool that the, you know there are there are these little connections that's building the bigger story, but it wasn't like like there's no Boba Fett. I mean you do have IG eighty eight. One of the problems I have with IG-88 here, because I always thought that Boba Fett took out IG-88 on Bespin, maybe. But then also there was a, the, the story that there was like three IG-88s that he could transfer his programming into a different body. So I don't, I don't know if they're going to accept or bring that back or not. So that is going to be uh, comics for the week. All right. Rick and Morty is back. Season 5, Episode 1, Mort Dinner, Rick Andre. Mort Dinner, Rick Andre. I guess my dinner with Andre. Whatever. So when I, I start so I record on my DVR, because I don't know what time. It, it, it airs Sundays. It's supposed to be Sunday at 11, but I think I might be rec- my cable, whatever. The channel that I'm recording, the Adult Swim Cartoon Network I think it's like East Coast time, and I'm on the West Coast. So when when I put, anyways, <laughs> when I turn on the DVR, it's like it's on already. I'm like, oh man, it, it cut off the beginning. But then I like, wait, I was like, they're talking about like some vampire, and it was an, another Rick and Morty Wendy's commercial, which I call them whatever. Some might say they're selling out. I I think it's kind of funny that they they do these commercials, and I think that's totally fine. It seems so limited because that's the only time they're going to show these commercials. I would assume. I mean, I don't watch much regular TV other times, so I don't know if they would show this like at during other Rick and Morty or other Adult Swim shows. It is on Cartoon Network, right? <laughs> Pretty sure. Yeah. So, anyways, uh, it was a commercial. So it's when it does start. 
Rick is dying and Morty's like carrying him. They're like on some crystal world or whatever. There's this alien beasting chasing them. So Morty has to fly the ship and like the ship's on fire and they're about to crash. They're not going to make it. So Morty decides to call Jessica and just to tell her that he thinks she's really cool, you know, because this is like the last chance to say anything. And, you know, the life support system is failing and everything like that. And, you know, as they're talking, she's like, oh, I, you know, I wish you would have said something earlier. And, and they're like, you know, you, we should like hang out or something tonight. He's like, what about, and they're like, well, maybe we can see a movie. And, and Morty's like, sure. So, and he's back on a ship and, you know, cause like the steering wheel had broken off. So he's like trying to like jam it back on and, you know, trying to do something. They're about to crash on, on earth. They managed to like bounce off like a palm tree or something like that and land in the ocean. Rick wakes up. And, you know, he's all, like, you know, bloody and everything like that. But then he freaks out when he hears that they landed in the ocean. <laughs> and it's like, what's what's the big deal? I was like, is the ship going to sink? Is it going to, like, leak something? Like, but then this big shell pops up out of the water. And there's, this, like, this Namor dude, like, with little skimpy Speedos. And, and it's just trident. And he's like, Richard. He's like, you've broken the sacred treaty between land and sea. So his name is Mr. Nimbus. And apparently he's Rick's nemesis. So back home, Rick is uh, getting the dining room ready. You know, he makes like a bigger table and there's like that. Because Mr. Nimbus is apparently coming over. He's the like king of the ocean. And he's a piece of poop or something like that. And Rick asks Morty, he's like, are you happy? He's like, are you happy you just, you touched the ocean? And Morty's like, you know, he's uh, he's like, well, I'm not sure how much help I, I can be because, you know, Jessica's coming over and Rick doesn't care about Morty's bleep. And Summer comes in, she's dressed in a scuba outfit with like a harpoon gun. And apparently she's going to dive into some trench to steal a forbidden shell that, that gives Mr. Nimbus his sacred power. And he's like, she's doing it because she cares, Morty. So Nimbus arrives. <laughs> it's like this like a bunch of water goes on the street and there's like whatever fish or eel in this like carriage thing and and then he nimbus gets like sprayed by some like uh like fountains or whatever and he comes off and he's he's like anyways jerry's not impressed because you know they're all sitting out there and he, he's like well i'm gonna call the police and nimbus is like well i control them so, so jerry calls and he's on the phone and he's like yeah he's like and he's like what he's like i don't see why that's relevant but i'm white and then all these squad cars show up it's basically because he's white they're gonna you know give him special treatment i guess so they, they come there and they're all holding their, their gun at mr nimbus and then he tells them to freeze then he tells them to fight so all the cops start fighting each other then he tells them to bleep and then they start getting undressed and stuff like that but then he's like flee and then they all like take off so i guess he literally controls the police somehow jessica arrives and you know she she's not sure if, you know she's like oh i wasn't sure if i was in the right place because all the police or whatever so uh beth and jerry uh, one of the things that they talked about earlier is, is they've been experimenting lady lately they've been watching porn together and stuff so when when nimbus uh he arrives and they're about to go inside he, he tells him to step aside he's like unless you think you're worthy and jerry's like oh i'm worthy he's like you know we're even you know watching porn and stuff like that so then Nimbus goes in a house and then he like looks back, gives them a nod or something like that. So then this like starfish assistant, whatever comes and says that Mr. Nimbus has given them his approval to get together. So like all three of them. And uh, then Beth and Jerry are looking, you know, they're like, are we okay with this? They, they have to sign like this affidavit, like a waiver or something. And so they're like, should we do this? Are we doing this? And I, maybe they are. So Jessica heard, 
Uh, oh, so Rick wants, uh, he says that Mr. Nimbus doesn't like cheap wine or something like that. So, or he likes ex- expensive things. So he takes like three cases of, of like bottles of wine, opens up this portal, throws them in there. And cause apparently in this other dimension, time goes faster and Morty refers to it like a, a Narnia world or something like that. So he, um, he puts them in an Arnia portal and, and, and Morty's supposed to get the, the wine later after it, it aged. So Jessica had heard this, that, you know, Morty's supposed to be getting the wine. And, um, she asks him if he, if they have any extra, if he could get some. So Morty goes into the portal of the other world and there's like this like horse creature or something there that he offers to help Morty because Morty, he can't really lift the, the crate of, of, of wine. So the, the creature goes back when he goes back into his world, everything's dark. And he goes inside the house and he calls his wife. He turns a chair around and she's a skeleton. Then there's this, this other voice says in, in the dark, it's like, why'd you leave us, father? And the, the horse dude, he's like, he's like, what? He's like, when were you born or something like that? And then he like stabs him. So he made a vow that if he ever met his father, he would avenge his mother. And then he's, as he's dying, he's like, it wasn't my fault. And he's like, then whose fault was it? He's like, it was the boy. So this is going to set up this big, huge chain reaction. <laughs> So Mr. Nimbus takes a, a swig of the wine and he just like tosses a bottle against the wall. He asks for another. So Morty had only grabbed two because uh, the third he was going to give, um, he gave, he actually gave it back to the horse dude. He's like, oh, here, you know, thanks for helping. Why don't you take this back or something like that? So the other two crates are still there. So Rick makes Morty um, give Mr. Nimbus a second bottle, takes a swig, smashes it. He wants another one. And then Jessica is like, she's like, oh, did you get the wine? And Morty's like, oh, I was just going to get it now. She's like, I thought you already did. He's like, yeah, I got distracted. So Morty goes back there and the son has been waiting for him. And he like rips off his shirt. And Morty's like, why are all the old dudes jacked? Because he's got like, like, you know, six pack or maybe more or something like that. So then the the horse son starts beating Morty up and he like goes through the, the portal. He crawls through and he's like, well, forget this. He goes back there. The son's older now. And Morty like pushes him over, and uh, this so the son now has three kids. So these are grandkids of the original dude, and and he, then as he's laying there, he's like, "This is the what I told you about." Morty apologizes. He's like, "He wasn't even old like ten seconds ago," and he kicks him and he takes a bottle, and uh, the so the son's kids. They're like, oh, you know, we're sorry for not believing you, whatever. And he's like, he'll be back, you know. He's like, stop him, stop him, and then he dies. So. The son is dead too. <laughs> so uh, the 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 son's sons, they make plans for revenge, and we see like all this stuff. Like they, they build like a totem and then a fort and then a castle and a top. So it's like as time's going by, they're building all the structures around where the portal appears in case Morty comes back. So Jerry and Beth are reading the waiver that they had to sign. They're not sure if they're ready for this. Jerry uh, bumps into Morty. They're like in the kitchen and he, and Morty drops the wine. Nimbus wants more. And then Jessica's about to leave because she's like, oh, it seems like, you know, Morty's busy. But uh, Morty goes back in a portal because he, he's going in the garage. So he goes in there. He bumps into this guard and you're like, oh, it's really him. So they sound the alert. All these weapons, like harpoons and stuff like that, point at Morty. They, like, fire all these weapons, but then Morty managed to go back through the portal. So he's, like, he's now he's just, like, tired of this. So he hits, like, a switch in, in, in the garage, and he arms himself with all these, you know, Rick's weapons or whatever. He's, like, okay, Narnia, let's go. So then uh, there's arguments from a kid because they're, like, he's not coming back. 
And then it's like older King, what is like, he'll be back, you know, whatever. So the wizard dude is, he, he sees that the kid outside. Cause he like kind of throw him out. He prepares the kid. And then after like some training and some time goes by, the kid attacks the King, whatever. And he like stabs his father and he's like, am I a fool now? And then after he does this, the wizard dude kills him. So he's like going to take control of the kingdom. The portal opens and it slices this guy in half. And the wizard dude freaks out. He's like, he's real. Morty starts shooting them all, like blowing up the whole castle and everything. Grabs two bottles because there's still like a, a, there's like a bush where the wine was like next to it. Grabs two bottles. But when he, he left, he left like a gauntlet there. And then one of the preachers, whatever, picks it up and like holds it. So now they're going to plan more revenge in case he comes back. So back in the dining room, Morty gives Nimbus another bottle, and then uh, Nimbus he he says to to Rick, he's like, "I liked your other one better. What was his name? Kyle." And Morty's like, "What?" And Rick's like, "Oh, nothing." <laughs> so Rick had a, another assistant, another something named Kyle before. Morty leaves with the other bottle, and he apologizes, uh, you know, to Jessica. He's like, "You know, they never get it right. Can they start over?" And then she's like, oh, you know, we, we can get it right this time. So they're sitting on a couch and then um, she starts scooting closer to him and then she kisses him. And it's just like, wait, where's all this coming from? This is like just so nuts. Uh, Nimbus and uh, and Rick are about to, to sign a treaty, but Rick is supposed to have a witness and you know he doesn't have one. Back in the Narnia world, it's like a futuristic world now and they're, they're getting ready to send the kid into the portal into... Uh, Morty's world so uh, he's been training against like holo Mortys and everything like that and they, they finally managed to open the portal he goes through wearing a suit and he's like attached there's like this you know line tether to him or whatever um, he shoots at Morty but then uh, he blasts a hole through the wall and he kills Mr. Nimbus's squid witness thing so then he's he's like oh this is like war or something like that jessica ends up stabbing this this dude in the back with a corkscrew and then he um he's his like kind of life flashes before his eyes or something like that he gets pulled back through the portal but jessica gets like sucked back with him so then morty like yells and rick's like oh you just had to touch the ocean didn't you so morty goes through and now everything's all white Except there's like a just just a little patch where there's like a you know a, like a grapefruit. So um, someone's like, "Oh, you're early." So there's this dude, um, kind of looks like Morty but taller. He's like kneeling at a grape tree, and Morty's like, "What is this place?" And the guy's like, "This is the end, but also beginning. Isn't every end a beginning?" And Mor- Morty yells, he's "Like, where's Jessica?" And the guy's like, "Oh yes, Jessica. That was her name. Thank you, Morty. I had forgotten." He gives him a like a, a little thing of grapes, and he's like, "You'll be needing this for the wine." And then, uh, then Morty gets grabbed by a big like metal tentacle. They're all robots, and they're like, "We got him!" So uh, back at the house, Nimbus is leaving, uh, and he tells you know Rick, he's like, "If you, you know you're seeking war with Atlantis, you shall have it." And then Nimbus, uh, you know, Rick says some stuff or whatever, and Nimbus is like, "Are you making fun of me?" And he's he's like, "Yeah." He's like, "You know, the reason we haven't fought in a while is because you're an embarrassment." So we're going on or whatever. Morty, meanwhile, gets captured. He's like in this kind of like force field restraint thing and uh but the the thing whatever talking isn't really sure like what's going on or why jessica's there for they kept her frozen in time and there's like this crystal morty manages to break free and he kicks the guy in the crotch and he's like oh why did i clone my genitals <laughs> whatever jessica gets free and they start to make their escape but they're being chased they're almost through the portal but then they get grabbed morty calls out to rick and uh, Rick, meanwhile, tells Nimbus to go ahead and attack or whatever. And then he goes to the garage. 
tries pulling them free, but then he gets pulled into the portal. So he um, starts blasting him, uh, you know, because he has like a gun on his wrist or something, you know, whatever. But then he gets gets uh, blasted, like, and it's like some of his skin gets blasted off too. Is like like huge gashes, like in his shoulder and stuff like that. So they're running to the portal, but then uh, it gets cut off. There's like like this wall just kind of like encloses them in there. Nimbus finally shows up, and he's like, "Did you think I'd let you die alone, Richards?" And then he starts to like thrust strut. <laughs> He starts, I can't even say it. He starts thrusting his pelvis and stuff like that. And then he, this big wave of water comes and it like just drowns him. And then like he does some more stuff like whales start dropping on, on the, the these robot attackers or whatever. Then he offers his hand. He's like, I am Mr. Nimbus. He grabs like the three of them and they swim to the portal. Morty asks Jessica if they still have time for that movie. And she's like, time, yes. She's like, I have nothing but time. She's like, at first it was madness, then enlightenment, the madness, and then it was madness again. She's like, it was a gift. So basically, I guess she could see everything while she was frozen in time because she could see everything go by, whatever. And she says something like, you know, time without purpose is a prison. You know, she has glimpsed into the mind of eternity, perhaps into the mind of a god. And then, then she's like, I think we should just be friends. And Morty's like, oh, yeah. He's like, I, I get it. I guess, you know, we missed a moment. But then, you know, she's about to leave. She's like, yes, but there will be more for both of us. So after um, fighting by Rick's side, Nimbus says that there is no treaty because there is no war. And he says that, you know, before he was his enemy, he was his only friend. And, you know, he's about to say something else. But then Summer enters and she's like, I got the shell. Nimbus sees it and he's ticked off. He's like, this is a betrayal. And then they, he starts fighting, you know, Rick and start, you know, beating him up. Cause you know, Rick's all, all like beat up and everything like that. So Summer isn't sure what to do. She should I blow it? And she starts blowing and he's like, no, <laughs> cause that empowers Nimbus. So then he gets jacked up and Rick's like, you're supposed to destroy it. But then the, the police come and because Nimbus is controlling him and he, he they take Rick away and she's summer is not even sure what's going on. So that's pretty much the end of it. But then like the, the mid credit scene, whatever Jerry and Beth, they're like outside a motel room and they're like, are we going to do this? And they're like, are we just doing this? Because do we think the other person wants this, whatever, but then they knock on a door and then it opens and it's like a hotel room, but it's like all decked out with Nimbus's like stuff. And there's like color curtain and whatever. And he's like there. And I guess they go in. That's that's how it ends. So that was a uh, that was Rick and Morty. His uh, just it was. I guess it was a good episode. I mean, it's just so weird and and wacky and uh, just the craziness. I mean, just Morty and Jessica kissing is is crazy. But then all the, <laughs> I like the the Narnia portal and just how things just kept escalating in time. Uh, so it was it was good stuff. So I'm I'm glad the show's back. Because, uh, yeah, I mean, you you can't write this stuff. I mean, you, other shows aren't like this. It's just so bonkers. Speaking of uh, kind of bonkers, uh, <laughs> DC's Legends of Tomorrow, Season 6, Episode 7, Back to the Finale, Part 2. So I'm like, okay, um... Let's see what, what this means. So it's it picks up from last episode. Sarah's looking over her dead body laying on a table. Bishop starts talking, going on about this stuff. And, you know, he says that when he said he was saving all of humanity, starting with her, he wasn't lying. So then there's a flashback to, like, when he gave her, like, the green liquid thing to drink or whatever. And when the affection was spreading all over her, her you know, her body. He says that um, there was no antidote for the alien whatever sting that she got. So he gave her the primer so he could make a new her. She's like, this, you're Sarah 2.0 and, you know, better than before or whatever. 
Meanwhile, uh, Ava is laying in bed watching that video that Sarah made when David Bowie was filming things in 1977. And she's like, you know, tonight I'm going to propose to my girlfriend. And she just keeps like rewinding, like, like watching it over and over again. It's just like Nate comes in, you know, he's got like a tray. He's trying to get her to eat. Um, so because they were told that Sarah's dead from that other alien. So um, she hasn't eaten anything. And, you know, because she's sad because she's gone. And then Nate's like, well, you know, if you need anything, you know, you'll probably ask Gideon. But he's like, I'm here for you, too. He's like, we all are. And she does ask. She's like, well, how are the others doing? And he's like, well, you know, they're grieving in their own way. So we see Spooner, Astrozari, and John are sitting around a table. There's a bottle of mezcal being passed around. And I think it was just like Spooner and John that are really drinking. Berard is in the lab trying to figure something out, like how to save Sarah or something. Nate says that as an interim co-captain, you know, they should stick together or whatever. But then they're like, well, where's Rory? So Rory is still in a pod with Kayla. They, you know, were going at it. And then uh, he's like, you want to go again or something like that? But it was weird because <laughs> this is the, like the silly thing is they're supposedly having you know relations, but they're both like fully closed. And it's like, OK, whatever. But uh, but then she gets out because she's going to uh, get back to trying to get off the planet with the ship and leave. And, and then she's like, you have until the third moon sets. You know, they look outside. So Rory has to try to you know find Sarah and bring her back or she's going to leave. So guards come into the room finally where Sarah and Bishop are at. And he's like, finally, whatever. He grabs a gun from one of the, the guards and he shoots himself in the head. His uh, essence or body, mind or whatever is transformed into a, a new clone body that was in there. So he starts talking about his plan, merging alien and human DNA. Uh, he says that her story was so inspiring, you know, this, uh, the story of Sarah Lance. And so he made this like alien Sarah Lance hybrid and she tries taking the engagement ring off her old body. But then the guards raised her gun and he's like, uh, uh-uh. he's like, that's a symbol of your old life and something like that. And then she's like, why would I help you? And he's like, because you died and you're a a clone now. And she's like, I die like once a year. She's like, and I'm in love with the clone. And she's like, and I'm going to propose to her with that ring. So give it back. So the guards grab her and they're going to like take her out. And he's like, oh, it's such a shame. He's like, take her to the incinerator. He's like, I'll keep tinkering until I get it right. And she's like, no version of me will cooperate with you. And he's like, we'll see. So Rory's outside. He sees a like some uh, a squad of like some clones, and then he you know he's about to attack them. But then Gary stops them from shooting each other, whatever, because he he's reveals that you know he's working with them or whatever. They're gonna help Sarah. Nate and Zari discover that Berard isn't on the Wave Rider, so Nate um, finds some of his thinking weed, like a joint sitting in the ashtray, and on the whiteboard it says Back to the Future Two, like written in circle on there. So they're like, uh, guys. So back in London, 1977, they're walking the street. Spooner's like, where are we? And Astra's like, this part, I don't know why they did this. But Astra's like, we're at last year's finale. And she's like, what's a finale? And Nate's like, oh, you'll like it. It's like, they're usually pretty cool, except for the time I died or something like that. So it's like, are they aware that they're in a show now? It's like, that's pushing things too far. I don't know. They find Berard. And he says that he knows it's a bad idea, but he's going to you know, prevent Sarah from getting kidnapped and dying. So um, they can't stop him. And they're like, we're not here to stop you. We're here to make sure you do it right. So they go into this diner that's across from like the, the club where, um, where Astra's band was playing. And uh, was it Astra? No, not Astra. Um, Charlie? Charlie's band. And uh, they, they said that it's okay for them to be there because none of them went into the, the, the diner that night. So they're okay there. They're not going to run into their past selves. 
So they're trying to figure out a plan, um, but they can't ask Ava because she wouldn't allow them to do something so risky. Nate points out that if they stop Sarah from getting abducted, then they'll also prevent aliens from getting scattered across the timeline. So that could be a good thing. But then Berard says, but then I wouldn't go looking for Spooner. And Spooner's like, yeah. And then I wouldn't have joined you guys. And she kind of laughs and she's like, it's like, ah, you know, there were some perks to my old life. You know, she's like, I, I wouldn't get attacked by alien Amelia Earhart and I wouldn't get turned into a fork. And Astro's like, that was one time. <laughs> so then uh, Berard remembers, he's like, I smoke every night at midnight because he's like, it's smoke o'clock. Whatever. It's like, oh, it's so cool because you're smoking. You know, whatever. You smoke, you smoke. But it's like the way they make it like he's so cool because he smokes. It's like, I guess they're getting the the smoker demographics trying to appeal to them. <laughs> Anyways, so he's like his other self in that time went up to the roof. So when he goes up on a roof, then he can go into the club because he won't bump into his former self. So then he can go and get Sarah onto the wave rider. So Berard's trying to figure out like what to say to Sarah. And then she steps out of like a portal from the wave rider, like right, right in front of him. And he's like, there's a time emergency or something like that. He's like, we need to get you on a wave rider. And she's like, she's like, whatever. She's like, that's the nice thing about time travel is you know, we can just go back and fix it. And she's like, she's like, I'm not going back. She's like, I'm going to let you in on a secret. And you know, she picked out an engagement ring. She's going to propose tonight. And so what, you know, then um, Ava comes out, whatever his plan doesn't work out. She's not going to go with him. And uh, so Ava takes her inside the, the club. Sarah's, um, outside now of an, an alien planet and you know she's fighting some guards but then gary comes up says that they're trying to help her rory shows up too and he says that they have to go because he's with kayla the the alien and then sarah's like you know why didn't she try to eat you but then he like avoids answering the question because he is, doesn't want to admit what they just did um she says she's like well you know we can't leave without stopping bishop and then an ava clone says that you know the only way he can stop his plans by destroying all his generators or something like that so uh, back in 1977, Zari and John realized that they headed off for 20 minutes to um, have some alone time. But then uh, Zari's like, well, maybe it was like 10, you know, generous 10 or something like that. He's like, oh, no, it was, it was definitely like 15, whatever. So they figure um, that if Sarah proposes, she won't get abducted. So they find her in a bathroom. She's puking because she's nervous. And then she says that. Uh, you know, they, they try telling her because John's like, I, I believe in love or love, love is love or he says something. And uh, she's like, well, I, you know, they're trying to force her to, to do it now. She's like, I'm going to do it on my own time or whatever. And with uh, the way John was talking about her, Zari realizes that John doesn't have his magic or something like that. So then he says that by you know changing the timeline could also be a way for him to get his magic back. So he's obviously has like some selfish alternative means, I guess reasoning ava um she's in the, the club she sees john and zari walk by then she sees the 1977 john and zari come out of this like back room or something like that so she knows that something's up she goes to the diner and they're like oh ava whatever she's like you know she's like shut up she's like i know you're not my legend she's she's like whatever you're doing is not a good idea because she noticed that she's not there she's like i don't want to hear anything and she's like why are they not here am i dead she's like no don't tell me anything so she's like, you know, anytime you try to change the past, it causes you know, countless branches, problems or whatever. And then she like starts taking all her drinks. And Nate's like, are you confiscating our, our booze? And she's like, no. She's like, I have to get blackout drunk in order to forget all this. And then she orders her. She's like, get back to your timeline. So Sarah and Ava uh, and an Ava clone arrive at the last generator. And then um, Sarah, you know, she's trying to 
wet, you know, pull this, uh, pry off this metal covering, whatever. She accidentally slices her palm and then she's like, she's like ah, she looks at it, but then it heals right away. So now she wonders like, what did Bishop do to her? And, uh, the Ava clone doesn't know. So Sarah tells Gary to, you know, pause on blowing up everything because she's going to go find out. So Bishop's in front of his computer council thing. He's like dancing or whatever. And then Sarah comes in and like punches him in the face. And she's like, what'd you do to me? And he shows her like this, like a hologram thing comes up. There's like this big alien thing. Um, He merged him and she punches him again. She injects him with Novocaine, whatever. And she's like, if if he won't fix her, she'll make a clean clone of herself and blow up the generators. And he's like, oh, good luck, you know, doing that, whatever. She gets her ring back too, and she takes it off him. So she finds an Ava clone outside, and she asks if she can make a clone of her. She's like, oh no, I'm just assistant. And she's like, no, you, you know, you're the care specialist or whatever. You can do this. Or back in, in, in 1977, they they have to save Sarah. You know, they they somehow they have to try to save Sarah and not change anything. Berard wants to. He decides to use like a man there's a mannequin in, in the diner so he's like they can make an exploding mannequin so in 12 hours you know they're putting like explosives inside it and they're just trying to fix this wig to make it look like sarah and it looks like nothing like sarah so like in 12 hours the ship will be at the right location the right coordinates and it'll explode sending all the aliens scattered across the timeline so you know that won't change all that part so then um then they they decide that they can send Spooner inside because she wasn't there before, so she can go in and try to scope things out, whatever. She goes to a bar, and and then Sarah comes up to her. They start talking to her, or whatever, and she's like, "Oh, you know." Sarah's like, "Well, you know, what's what's I can, you know?" She can tell something's bothering her, and then uh, she's like, "Okay." She's like, "Here it is." She's like, "20 years ago, I was abducted by aliens. They did things to me, and now I hear voices." She's like, "What if there's something in me and I can't control it?" You know, she's like, "People will think I'm a monster," and she's worried about hurting people. You know, so Sarah's like, "You know," she's like, and Spooner's like, "You probably think I'm crazy now," and or something like that. And Sarah's like, "No, I don't." She's like, "I'm not not afraid." She's like, "I'm intrigued." She says, "It sounds like you're on the the beginning of an amazing journey." But she's like, "Word of advice." She's like, "Don't go it alone." And Spooner's like, well, what if I hurt them? And Sarah's like, well, what if they help you? And then Sarah also mentions that, you know, she was going to propose tonight, but now she's worried because, you know, she's been so many different people, um, you know, so she's, and she knows that her girlfriend will say yes. She's like, uh, you know, I'll get a lifetime with a woman I love, but I can't guarantee the same in return since you know, she's constantly changing and stuff like that. So then uh, Spooner offers some advice to, you know, whatever. She's like, what if you help her and blah, 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 whatever. So back at the diner, they're, they're getting the mannequin ready. Nate has uh, starts getting an upset stomach because uh, he was like eating so much food. So he runs to the bathroom. Then another Nate comes in, but he has like longer hair. He has an eye patch and he was wearing John's coat. And, and John's like, Nate, why are you wearing my coat? And Zara's like, shh, she's like, just, just let, let him talk. Because <laughs> she's like really curious what's going on. So he says that when the, the bomb, you know, so he's from this timeline that they're creating right now. Because he says when the bomb goes off, it drops the aliens on New York during some period or something. And they end up taking over Wall Street. So then Nate has to go undercover and he joins a magic cult or something like that. But, you know, it doesn't matter because Sarah's still gone. Because the aliens are doing like a U-turn and then they, they they grab her or whatever and she doesn't make it. So Berard then finally, um, oh, and then they, they do some, Berard runs out because he's going to go try to save Sarah. But then future Nate like disappears and then uh, regular Nate comes out. He's like, oh, what I miss or something. Um, but then outside, Berard is like hiding behind a dumpster and he sees them all. And then he like calls out to Sarah 
and she like she hears him she turns around and then you know she like stops and turns around and then she gets hit by the beam so it's kind of like because he's if she would have kept walking maybe the beam wouldn't have hit her i don't know so uh sarah's like talking about uh on on the, the ship in the alien planet she's talking about making two of her to stop them from messing up the timeline you know so if they can make two clones or whatever then the regular clone the clean clone can go back on earth whatever she'll stay there i don't know rory sees uh bishop holy and ava hostage um rory ends up torching him and then his consciousness beams onto the ship and so now he's going to upload himself to the clouds or something like that so he'll be able to uh print out bodies of himself anywhere or whatever or something like that and like the only way they can stop him is by destroying the generators but sarah is like in the, in the process of making a clone body for herself which is supposed to take like a few minutes so she has to make a choice she can either save herself or stop him Rory comes in and sees like the Sarah clone like printing out like you know you see the muscle he's like what's that and she says that uh, yeah you know, that she he's gonna have to take that version of her back she's gonna stay there because she's like I can't go back half alien she's like what if I I hurt you guys or Ava and she's like I'm damaged and Rory's like no he's like I see someone who's been through hell he's like I see my old friend he's like we need you whatever and then so she's like all right so then she uh calls Gary, they're going to blow up the, the generators. And meanwhile, uh, Bishop's essence is being uploaded, and it finally, it's like at 94%, and it blows up. And he's like, no! As they're going across the, the alien landscape to the ship, the third moon has set, but Rory's like, like she won't leave, whatever. She's like, I know she won't. But she did leave. She's gone. So, uh, also, the, the aliens on the planet, they're starting to attack because they, they come out when it's dark because they don't like the light. So they're chasing after them, but then like some explosion starts taking out the aliens and everything like that. So Kayla did come back for Rory. So they, they start, um, they're on the ship, whatever. So they're, they're still getting attacked, whatever. Kayla um, comes out and she transforms into her alien form and starts fighting the aliens and stuff like that. And like, you know, at one point, you know, they're all trying to do their, their part, you know, uh, Rory's torching them. And then Gary like shines a light on one and then Sarah like takes it out from behind or whatever like that. So they, they get on the ship, but now where's Kayla? And Rory doesn't want to leave without her. But more aliens are starting to swarm, like crawl on top of the ship and it's like circuits are starting to like short out and stuff like that. So then finally Sarah orders Gary to get the ship in the air. And so they have to leave without Kayla. Back in 1977... Berard, he's like he says it's his fault if he never tried to warn sarah she would have kept on walking but then astra's like you you know she's like i'm pretty sure they would have still grabbed her and in spooner she's like well i'm still here so you know i, I guess there's that and nate's like well at least there's one silver lining and he gives her like kind of little like shoulder hug or whatever so they're like you know we sh we all we need a drink so i guess that's their answer for everything so Ava, meanwhile, is still watching the video over and over again, but then now it's starting to glitch. And uh, Gideon's like, sorry, the file is corrupted. And she's like, no, whatever. And, and then Sarah's like standing behind her and she's like calls out to her. And Ava's like, is it really you? She's like, I don't want to turn around in case, you know, you're not there or whatever. But then Sarah comes up to her, kind of, you know, gives her a hug from behind. She's like, I'm, I'm here. She's like, I'm not going anywhere. So back at the diner. In 1977, the legends are going to raise a uh, toast in a diner. And Nate's like, who wants to go first? And Sarah comes in. She's like, I will. And they're like, oh, you're you're back. You're live. Hugs, everything like that. And then um, they're like, oh, Gary the alien's here or whatever. And, and Sarah's like, no, you know, he helped save me and stuff. 
So then uh, John, they're walking out, um, I guess, back to the ship. And John's like, you know, it's like, so what if I don't get my magic back? You know, it's like, I'll still have you. He's talking to Zari. He'll still have her. You know, his, his girlfriend has superpowers and something like that. Sarah says that, you know, she wants to propose to her girlfriend. So like in the middle, like the streets or wherever they're at in the parking lot. She gets down on a knee and then uh, she starts reading this. You know, Ava's like, "Yes, yes, yes." She's like, "No, let me ask first one." So she reads this speech that she wrote, whatever. Like while she's floating out in space, um, you know, with Ava, she'll never get lost and blah blah blah, all this stuff like that. And, you know, she's her reason to come back and whatever. So then um, Ava finally says yes, whatever. So then uh, they're like kissing and stuff like that. Then uh, Nate's like goes abroad. She's like, you did remember to, to take the bomb out of the mannequin, right? Because they just threw it in a dumpster. <laughs> and then it starts blowing blowing up. But it's like not even explosives, like fireworks. I thought it's like you think it's, you're, you're going to blow up an alien ship. It's just fireworks because then fireworks are going in the sky while they're kissing. Woo, you say, yay. That's the end of the episode. But uh, it's not the end of the season. So it will be back next week. They're going into like Old West or something like that. So that was uh, this week's episode. So yay. (sighs) Okay, with The Flash, Season 7, Episode 14, Rayo de Luz. Basically, it starts off with Ultraviolet. So Allegra's uh, cousin, evil cousin, they're fighting. Allegra's like crawling away. And she's like, don't do this. And she's like about to blast her. Then it cuts to 12 hours earlier. We're at Star Labs. Barry and Iris are going to go on vacation. to like some, I forget what island, uh, since things have been kind of quiet around town. And uh, there's no real cell phone reception there. That's, you know, this, he's taking Chester's advice of, you know, going away and taking vacation so they can have some alone time or something like that. And, uh, you know, no one seems to be really aware of, you know, what why they're, they're going or whatever. Anyways, Chester suggests that the others join him for some Dungeons & Dragon, but then Frost makes up an excuse that, you know, she has to go off somewhere. And in Allegra, she, has to, she gets a tip from the, the tip line about Ultraviolet. So she's been using that to kind of keep tra- tabs on her or whatever. Joe and Cecile listen to this recording uh, about a guy with information about uh, Kristen Kramer. So this soldier, he served at uh, Fort Dakota. His name is Adam Crikey, something like that. And uh, so it seems that Kramer knew about the ambush, about her squad, that the, what the ambush that they were about to face. And you know, Joe's still not sure because you know he still feels like she's a good cop. And you know, so he has this like file. It's like Operation Griffin on there. So he's like, he's not sure what what to do from here. Uh, Chester meets. Allegra at Jitters later and you know she she confesses that you know she's been using a tip line for personal reasons to get tips on the assassin her name is Esperanza and you know her cousin she says that you know if she can get through to her maybe that they can be a family again and then this big light appears and ultraviolet's there buscando para mi prima are you looking for me cousin so she attacks Allegra, you know, tries telling her, you know, she doesn't want to fight. Ultraviolet keeps blasting and everything like that. Allegra finally decides to uh, put up her dukes, like, okay, we're going to fight. But then <laughs> Sue Dibney drops from the ceiling somehow, even though, you know, the door is like right there, like, you know, five feet away. So she drops down from the ceiling, you know, like, does like a, a flip down the zip line or something like that. And, uh, she's like, you know, getting ready to, to fight Ultraviolet. But then there's sirens, the cops are coming. Ultraviolet tells Allegra to stop following her and leave her alone. And then she disappears like in a bright light. So Sue calls uh, Allegra nuts for trying to go after Ultraviolet alone. Because she's like, I've I've seen her melt someone's face off before. And, you know, then she's like, you know, where are the big guns? You know, talking about uh, 
Barry and, and Killer Frost or whatever. So Frost is off the grid now. They're not sure where she's at. Barry and Iris are on vacation. And uh, so they talk about, okay, well, let's try to find her. They can't detect her with the satellites because she gives off light energy, which is the same as light energy everywhere or something like that. So, you know, supposedly they, they always come up with these crazy ways to detect the bad guys, but they can't seem to do it now for some reason. Sue figures um, she's looking at like where she attacks. She figures out a pattern because it's a she says it's a basic black hole recon situation. So um, black hole was the terrorist organization, or whatever, and ultraviolet was working for them. So she's apparently going to attack a free clinic for some reason. So they're like, well, how can we stop her? Sue managed to get a photonic stun grenade that she's had. So she's like, I'm going to go make sure it's charged or whatever. So Chester, and he's like practicing putting on his badass face or something like that. He's like, okay, I'm ready. And like that. Allegra's like, you know, maybe you should sit this one out, you know, but he wants to help. She's like, yeah, but you know, you're a pacifist and you know, like what can he really do? You know, he doesn't have any powers or anything. So at the clinic, ultraviolet, um, she's going after this like doctor dude. She, you know, she chases him out. And then Sue, Sue Dibney, she's like on the, <clears throat> on the roof. She does this like, it's totally unnecessary like flip land and just, instead of just jumping down and when she lands she does like a big whoom, like whips her hair back and everything like that and she tells the, the dude to run and she rolls up like the photon grenade towards ultraviolet and then allegra's there to, to put the cuffs on her and ultraviolet calls them fools because you know she's like no one hired her to go after the dude she was hunting the guy who created her so they saved the man who turned her into a monster so now Ultraviolet's at Star Labs in one of the cells. Sue and Allegra are, you know, trying to get her to talk. And then uh, she does a, you know, she's like, you know how I got this gift? And like points it, you know, at her mouth, whatever. So she says that, uh, you know, she saw lights and then they were cutting. And, and she's like, you know, where's Dr. Olsen? So they don't know. Ultraviolet says that, you know, he's probably out there abducting victims. Allegra left her alone. You know, he was a butcher. Pero tu fuiste el cuchillo but you were the knife so she takes off like it's like weird it's, it looks like it's part of her costume but she takes off like the neck part of her costume and you see that her throat is like majorly scarred so you know they, they cut out her voice or whatever and she's got this other weird voice now i don't know how it works or whatever i don't remember so allegra's like you know okay we'll we'll help you get him he's like we promise but she's like uh can we have a sidebar and she's talking to Allegra. She's like, we can't help her. She's like, Black Hole twisted her mind in ways that, you know, you can never imagine. And, you know, working with her is a suicide mission. But Allegra's like, she's like, I know what Barry would do. You know, she, he would, would help. So she opens the cell. And then at the police station, it cuts, you know, you know Captain Kramer is sitting at her desk. Joe um, knocks on the door. He wants to talk. So and he puts a file on her desk, you know, and the Griffin file. And she's like, where did you get this? And he's like, it doesn't matter. He's like, you know, I, I could have taken it to director Singh, but I want to talk to you first. You know, I want to hear your side. And she's like, she's just mad at him that, you know, he's kind of like accusing her or whatever. She tells him to get out. She's like, you know, I, you know, I take your job and this is how you want to handle things. And he's like, I should have you arrested. Or she's like, get the hell out of my office. So it's like, yeesh. So ultraviolet is, uh, helping Allegra like train you know, like to focus her powers was like trying to teach her to like blast it they're using like star lab mugs whatever to, to shoot and she asks you know 
Allegra can't do it. She's like, how are you of any help to these people? And Allegra's like, well, I'm trying my best. And so Sue wants to show uh, Allegra the real ultraviolet. So she like antagonizes her. They start fighting and stuff like that. You know, of course, Sue's doing all these flips and everything. You know, Uh, Chester comes in with a tray for a snack attack. And then ultraviolet like shoots out a blast, like hits the wall, like almost hits Chester. He like goes flying back. And, and then so Allegra runs to him and she's like, you could have killed him. And Ultraviolet's like, so he's as useless as you are. And then she like disappears out of there. So Chester wakes up in the med room. Caitlin says that um, he's like, you don't know how lucky you are. And he tries acting all tough, you know, like he's not in pain because, you know, Allegra is there. And then he's he asks, like, shouldn't we go after your cousin? And she's like, I don't know. And she just like leaves the room. Sue tells Chester that if Allegra won't go after her, she'll have to do it herself. And, and she's like, sharing a back alley yin-yang tattoo doesn't mean you're bonded forever. And Chester's thinking about it. He's like, the yin-yang tattoo? Great, Rao. Which, why would they say, you know, Rao know about Superman, this god, whatever. Anyways, Joe tells Cecile about the encounter, you know, his meeting with, with uh, Kramer. And he says that she reacted like a guilty person. But, you know, he feels like, you know, maybe he should go to the governor because, you know, he left his his officers with him. He's like, it's like leaving his kids behind in, in an unsafe situation. But then he gets a text from her. It says, can we meet? So Cecile's like, you know, I don't know, maybe you think it's a trap or something like that? Because, you know, he has a file. But he's like, I have to go. He's like, I still feel like there's something more to this. You know, he still feels like, you know, she's not a bad person. So then we see Allegra. She's sitting, you know, um, alone thinking at, at Star, Star Labs. And then Sue comes to her and says that it was it was a good try. You know, ultraviolet's never going to change. She needs to do something before she hurts someone. And but then she's like, you know, she's more than just my cousin. She's like, she's the reason I'm still here. And Sue's like, you know, you can't fight Black Hole. And then she's like, well, you fought them to save your parents. She's like, you know, why are, are they worth saving more than you know Esperanza? You know, her cousin is. And Sue's like, I didn't save them because you know it's just, her parents were in charge of like international assets or whatever for the. You know, they, they got a small cut in return. They kept getting deeper and deeper and they got used to the lifestyle and making all this money. They didn't want out. And Allegra's like, well, that's when you have to pull harder. So she's like, when, when I met Team Flash, I was in handcuffs. It's like, you were robbing a bank and they never gave up on us. And then Allegra's like, you know, she's like, thanks for a reminder. She's like, I have to go find my cousin. So Chester figured out a way to find um, Ultraviolet. Because uh, he's like, you know, they're, they're like the yin and yang. Um, they have like sort of opposite powers. So he has like some little device. He's like has her like give a little like light energy blast on it. And of course it works. And somehow it analyzes it and pinpoints exactly where ultraviolet is. So she's like at some warehouse or something like that. And Chester insists on going with. She's like, but you're going to get hurt. And he's like, no, I have to go. So uh, ultraviolet is at a warehouse. And um, then you hear the doctor, ah, my favorite patient. She's like, you surprised me earlier. It's like, I'm happy to return the favor. So uh, the doctor's there. He's, um, she gets ready to blast him. And she's like, are you ready to die? And he's, he says, that depends. And he pulls a sheet off the table. He's like, are you ready for one last experiment? And he gives her like this, like super creepy smile, which is kind of silly because he's just this dorky dude. Um, Star Labs van is parked outside. Chester's in front of some computers, so he's going to help you know monitor the situation, run it from there. Allegra is like sneaking inside, and she decided to put on like a black jumpsuit too, because you know whatever. So there, there's 
Chester detects there's just three dudes. You know, they have like these electro pulse rifles. So Chester gives out an EMP blast that shorts out the guns and it, it kind of like shocks the guys and knocks them out. But somehow it doesn't take out the rest of, you know, ultra an electromagnetic pulse takes out all electronic stuff, but the lights and everything are still on there. So I don't know. Maybe it's more constant. I don't know. Uh, it turns out that the guys had backup and you know, Chester doesn't have enough power. He's It's got to build up for another blast. Then Sue slides in on a zip line and she tells Allegra to find her cousin. She's like, I got this. So there's a lot of jumping and flipping and slow motion fighting. And it's just, it's just over the top. I get what, you know, they're trying to make it look cool and flashy, but it's just, it's, it's a bit much in my opinion. Maybe I'm just too cynical. I don't know. So Allegra finds Ultraviolet and she tells her to come with her, but then she shoves her and she says, I told you not to follow me. And Allegra asks the doc, she's like, what did you do to her? And he says, he's like, I made her into a weapon without a voice. He's like, and my hands are the only ones that can return what was taken. So we made a deal. She'll get her voice back if she kills everyone who knows the true nature of my work. So that means it's like you and your team. So Sue manages to, um, she somehow has, I don't know where she kept this device, but she hooks up like this, all the soldiers with like some cable and zaps them all out. And she's like, lights out boys. And then she just drops the thing. So it's like, you just, you don't even need to pick that up and maybe use it again. It's just, it's disposable. Okay. So you got a lot of money, I guess. Ultraviolet is still fighting Allegra. And, you know, she tries to sell it. It's like, we're family. And, you know, the stupid doc keeps talking about selling, you know, to the highest bidder or whatever. Allegra, at this point where we saw the beginning, she, she's crawling away. She's like, please don't do this. And then she blasts Allegra, but Allegra, like, recovers and blocks with her her power, her counter opposite power. And she's like, fighting back is useless, child. You'll never be stronger than her. This is a doc talking. He's like, hate rules her powers. So then um, Allegra's like, she thinks that something, you know, powers hers. Her chest like starts glowing and she gets brighter and brighter and knocks ultraviolet down. So she's like now flowing with this power. Sue comes in and she's like, are you okay? And she's like, we're good. And ultraviolet's just like staring at her and, and they don't say anything. So then we see ultraviolet in the med room at Star Labs. So uh, she is apparently going to be okay. Caitlin says that um, she's just resting. Allegra asks if she'll be able to um, do her big light show again. And Caitlin's like, maybe. She's like, you know, it's possible for new abilities to manifest under extreme circumstances. You know, she's like, you just leveled up. So Allegra mentions that, you know, it's like I went on a rogue mission. I almost, you know, got, uh, you know, Sue and Chester hurt. And Caitlin's like, yeah, but, you know, you just followed your heart. And she's like, that's what Barry would have done. Plus, uh, the doctor's in jail now. So, uh, also, there's, like, some big file that they found. And uh, so, Allegra goes to talk to Ultraviolet. She says that um, she, Ultraviolet Esperanza asks Allegra how she did that. And she's like, I don't know. You know, she says the doc said, you know, the powers are fueled on hate. But she thought of something else. Family. Just like Fast and Furious, right? So, she's like, after everything I've done, how can you still call me that? And she's like you know, always, she's like, what they did to you doesn't define who you are. And then she's like, and, you know, we also re recovered th these files. Caitlin thinks that, you know, maybe they can use them to cure you permanently. So then we see uh, Kristen Kramer. She meets with Joe at like a bar or something like that. And she wasn't sure that he would meet with her. And, you know, she's like, she was unprofessional earlier. He was right to be suspicious because the evidence looks that way. And he's like, He's like, well, what's the, that's the whole story or what, is there more to it? So she hands him a picture of the soldier 
um, and her. She's like, that's also my brother. She's like, not by blood, but, you know, some bonds run deeper. So she's like, you know, we were two native kids growing up off the res and, you know, we weren't really popular with the other people. So we bonded and she's like, you know, we didn't have a lot of support, but we had each other. And, you know, she didn't know that he sold out the units. He was trying to get her not to go on a mission. So she blames herself because she was in charge of these, you know, soldiers' lives. And she's like, you know, it was my job to get them home to the families. And she's like, a dozen dinner tables have empty chairs now because of me. So she's like, I was blind. And Joe's like, you know, it's easy to believe in someone you love. And, uh, you know, it's nothing to be ashamed of. So he gives her the file. And he's like, you know, maybe someday you'll trust someone enough to share it. And she's like, why do you think I asked you to meet? So she's like, you know, I've been looking for Adam for six years. She's like, help me catch him. And then she's got like this huge stack of files of her own. So they start looking at him. Back at Star Labs, you know, it's like, where's Sue headed to next? Somewhere exotic. And she's like, ah, I'm I'm thinking of sticking around, you know, maybe even talking to my parents. To Allegra, she's like, I guess you can say I'm finally seeing the light. And Allegra asks, uh, then uh, she leaves. Allegra asks Chester if she wants to go out for if he wants to go out for coffee or something. And he's like, he'd love to, but he sort of set up a D&D game. And she's like, well, maybe I could join you. And he's like, really? Whatever. Then Barry zips in and he says that, he's like, oh, I think me and Iris are going to get a timeshare. Then he looks around. He's like, what happened? They both look at each other and they're like, nothing. And then uh, then we see Frost. Just going down, or we see that the bartender dude walking down the alley. Frost like hits him from behind. And she's like, I'm taking you back to Iron Heights again, whatever. And then he's like, oh, haven't you heard? Whatever. He pulls out a thing. He, he cut a deal and turned over state's evidence. So he's he's a good guy now. And she's like upset by that. So it's like, okay. But so, I mean, it was fine. It was interesting, you know, with without Barry and Iris and just seeing what the others could do and, you know, more, more follow-up with the Esperanza stuff. But... Yeah, so it was fine, and I'm I'm okay with Sue Dibney. You know, I it's a little annoying all the fighting stuff, but I get it, so that's fine. And you know, I I think she's she's okay. So that was the Flash with Superman and Lois. Jesus, episode so season one, episode eleven, a brief reminiscence in between cataclysmic events. All right, so uh, it starts off. We, we see at first I was like, this is gonna be like all like flashback origin type of thing because we see young Clark walking through snow. He has like the, the crystal sun crystal in his hand. It starts glowing. It's, it's it starts fading out. So he's like, no, 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 because you know it's not glowing anymore. So he throws it down, and then things start vibrating. Lights start shimmering. Bursts of ice like all around. You're coming popping from the ground. So he's running and stuff like that. Then you know it's a little bit goes by um he climbs out of like a pile of snow and ice he sees like the cavern glowing in the distance so the, his fortress of solitude he goes in there he sees a crystal floating over like the big base thing he grabs it sticks it in a slot and then um Jor-El appears he's like the day has finally come it gives me such joy to see you here i am Jor-El, and you you are my son and he Clark is like, what is all this? It's a place where you can learn away from the prying eyes of the outside world. He's like, you were born in Krypton. Your name is Cal of the House of El, which is weird because I've never heard him necessarily referred to as Cal. I mean, people have kind of said that, but it's always like Cal El. It's like I get that El is the House of El. Anyways, it was just it sounded weird. I've never really heard that or seen it. Um, so he's then Clark's like, why am I so different? And he's like, the Earth's Sun, you know, blah blah blah, all that stuff. And he's like, you know, over time, it'll teach him how to use the power of his body. He will learn to do things they never thought possible on Earth. 
Um, and then we see him like, you know, he's like running and he starts growing up, you know, time's going by and then he learns how to fly everything like that. So then, um, he's back there. It's like, there's something else he needs to learn something he can't teach. Um, he needs to help them. He needs to connect with the world and open up his heart. He needs to find out why he wants to be their champion. So he returns home to Smallville. He goes to, you know, Ma's like on the front porch sweeping or whatever. And, you know, she gives him a hug. She asks him if he found what he was looking for. And he's like, yeah, I think so. He's like, I find out who I really am. He's like, I met my Kryptonian father. And she's like, Kryptonian? He's like, yeah, that's, that's where I'm really from. He's like, and I know why I can, you know, do what I do and why, uh, you know, I should be Earth's champion and everything like that. So she asks if that's why he returned to be a hero. And he's like, yeah, but not yet. He's like, there's someone I have to see first. So he starts walking downtown, you know, he's across the street from a theater, it's a double feature of Harry Potter and Friday Night Lights. Um, and Lana's uh, out front with a friend, so he's about to go up to her. But then Kyle runs up to her. He's like, oh, good news. He's like, there's an opening at the fire station. And she's like, oh, that's great. And, you know, she hugs him and kisses him. And then he sees that she has like an engagement ring on her finger as she's hugging him. So he turns around and goes back home. And Ma's like, you know, I was like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm sorry, you know, you were gone for a long time. And she's like, you know, people move on with their lives. And, you know, so then she takes him to her room and she opens up a chest and gives him like the, basically his costume because you just see like red fabric or whatever. And she's like, you know, after he left, she had a dream of him flying, but he wasn't a boy that she knew. So she made him something. And then uh, he brings up like the stuff that he said when he left. She's like, oh, whatever, you know, that's fine. And stuff like that. So, it's, you know, she unfolds the costume and, you know, she kind of holds it up. You don't, you don't really see it, but she's like, uh, it still needs something on the chest. So in Metropolis, we see Clark. He's like looking at a paper. You know, there's an ad apartment for rent or something like that. He tries asking someone for directions, and he just completely ignore him. Then he um, hears like a, a car crash or a car chase or something like that. So he runs through this like little alley, opens up the shirt. He's got the old school S symbol under. And this, this is what we saw, I think it was like in the first episode, where the car flips off the overpass. There's a kid there. He saves a kid, and the kid's like, cool costume. And then he's like, thanks, my mom made it for me. And then um, he takes off, goes back to the alley and changes. People running down the street. Some lady's like, did you see that? And he's like, what? She's like, some some guy you know, saved the kid and flew away. And then he's like, did you see what he looked like? She's like, like a guy with a cape flying. And she's like, someone's got to tell a planet about this. And he looks up, and he sees the Daily Planet building there. So then he has an interview with Perry White, and Perry's like, this isn't a resume, it's a cry for help. And Clark's like, well, I'm a fast learner. He's like, I just need a, a chance and everything like that. And then finally Perry's like, okay, fine. He's like, but there's no health insurance or overtime. And Clark's like, not a problem. And he's like, okay, and you need to pick up my dry cleaning on Thursdays. And he's like, okay, that's fine. Then he's like, all right, you're hired. He's like, you know, stick with Lane, she'll show you the ropes. And so she then we see this part before. She's like, who, who told you to wear a tie? And, you know, he's, he's just like staring at her when he first sees her. She's like, did Lombard tell you? She's like, oh, just ignore him. So then uh, someone comes up and they're like, mystery man strikes again, third time this week or whatever. And she's like, everyone's tripping over, you know, trying to find out more about him. She's like, there are other problems besides a rescue mission. And, you know, she's like, she shows him like some file or article. There's like this dude in a trench coat and metal mask. He's causing all this chaos and stuff like that. Painting like Nazi lightning symbols around. And Clark's like, I, I didn't know. And she's like, yeah, no one does. She's like, I've been working on this, I think she said for a month or something like that. But she's like, her stories are getting um, buried or drowned by the Miracle Man. So um, then we see them, you know, they're spending all this time together working on the case and trying to find different things. 
um, she tells him one night, she's like, you know, you've been a, a big help. She's like, you know, I can probably talk to Perry about, you know, you getting a beat of your own, like, you know, maybe local politics or something. And he's like, she's like, no, that that's fine. He's like, I like it here. And she's like, for the story or the company? And he's, he's like, smiled, you know, because like awkward. And he's like, I feel like that's a trick question. Because, you know, she asked him before, like, what's he going to, you know, he's about to leave. And she's like, oh, do you have a, a, a date? He's like, no. He's like, I'm just going to go home and watch Seinfeld reruns and make a TV dinner or whatever. And so you can see they're starting to like each other. The next day, Clark arrives and Lois isn't there. So um, he's a contact had reached out to her about the guy who works at a hardware store or something like that. So Clark's like listening for a voice and hears like, you can't do this, Henry. He's like, you know, they've done nothing wrong. And this other voice like, they don't belong here. So then we see the guy in a coat and a flamethrower. Um, he's like, they're treating me like the bad guy. He's like, I'm the hero. And then he shoots at Lois with the flamethrower and then Superman arrives and like right in front of it. And he like kind of like, as he's getting blasted, he looks and, and sees Lois, you know, sees she's okay. And then he uses his freeze breath on the, on the gun. The guy doesn't really blink an eye. He's like, okay. So he puts, throws on his, his flamethrower, pulls out two grenades from like his backpack or whatever. He's like, well, you can't save all of them. So he throws them like to either side of him. Superman blasts one with his heat vision, jumps in front of the other one. And it kind of knocks him through, you know, a little storefront. And Lois goes up to the guy and like tases him and knocks him out. So, um, and then Superman sees some like across the street, like kind of flicker. So it's like, what was that about? She asks, she's like, how did you know about this? He's like, well, I've been, you know, following your story plus, you know, my hearing. So she asks, she's like, um, she asks like, how is he or something like that? Or, you know, what, then she's like, you know, what should I call you? Mr. Metropolis, uh, the blue and red man. And he's like, well, I think you'll figure it out. And he like flies away. Then a store owner, you know, she's just like looking as he flies off. Store owner comes up. He's like, who was that? And she's like, Superman. So then it's at the Daily Planet. Um, Daily Planet Today. It's like a talk show. I didn't realize that they, they did talk shows or whatever. So, um, she's Lois is on camera. She's going to do his, his first on camera interview. And, uh, so he, he's sitting there. How long were we in your earth before you showed up? And he's like his whole life. And cause so apparently people know he's from Krypton, you know, cause he was there, you know, bef- after it blew up or whatever he was, you know, or before it blew up, he was sent there. He mentions his, his pod landing, you know, and stuff like that. And she's like, and where was that? And he's like, I'm not going to say whatever. And, um, he's like, you just because he says something about you know fighting for truth and justice and she's like end american way he's like you know just because i speak english you know you shouldn't assume that i i was raised here or whatever and then he like says something in chinese or whatever and she's like oh knowing languages party you know as another superpower he's like no you know it's, it's a curiosity and she's like how many languages do you have you learned and he's like all of them and then but there's like some feedback so it's like cut you know her mic's kind of like shorting out whatever so she talks to her producer and she's like you man she's like he is totally into you she's like what are you talking about he's like he keeps smiling at you and everything and she's like that's just part of his his whole thing you know he's he's nice to everyone and and then she's like the producer's like you gotta you know up, up your a game or whatever you know this is opportunity to you know to go out with the most eligible bats sure she's like well i'm in love with someone else she's like you know clark she's like we've been dating a couple months now and superman's like hearing all this and she's like, I know he's dorky, but I love him. And she's like, he doesn't even know that yet. You know, I haven't even told him or whatever. So then the producers, she's like, you know, because Superman's still sitting at, at the interview table. And she's like, hey, does Superman happen to have super hearing? Lois is like, so she goes to sit down. She's like, you know, I'm sorry. That was unprofessional or whatever. And 
the next scene, Clark brings Lois up to meet Ma at the farm. And, you know, she's nervous and everything like that. Well, Ma comes up, gives her a hug. She's like, I've been waiting for you to come here ever since Clark first told us about you. And she's like, the whole town wants to meet her. And he's like, what? And he's like, well, it's only, you know, someone's this week or whatever. So then uh, Ma, you know, he's talking to, she's talking to Clark in the kitchen. And she's like, you know, what took you so long to bring her here? And he's like, I wanted to be ready. He's like, I think, I think I'm going to tell her, you know, his secret. And Ma's like, okay, if you're sure, because, you know, once you do, there's no going back. And then um, out in the field, we see him, you know, start to float up and then they're working, you know, kissing in the elevator, whatever. And then he proposes to her at the fortress and then they get married and then, um, you know, just married sign on a truck. Then they're on their honeymoon, you know, lying in bed. And he's like, you know, I think I I know I I kept my secret from everyone for so long. And I know why now, you know, it was for you. He's like, I want to share my life with you. Then at the the fortress, Jor-El Asks, he's like, how was the marriage ceremony? And he's like, it was a perfect day. He's like, Lois looked beautiful. You know, I wish you could have been there. Then all of a sudden, like, Jarrell's like, appears like closer to him, like face to face. And he's like, he tells him that he's like, you need to get out of here now. And Clark's like, huh? He's like, go, get out, get out of here now. And then Clark wakes up back in his the hotel room on his honeymoon. Lois comes into the room. I think it's still their honeymoon. And she's like, there's something I need to tell you. And he's like, what day is it? And she's like, I'm pregnant. He's like, then he's like pregnant. And she's like, yeah, I know. She's like, we weren't even trying or we didn't even think it was possible, but there's three pregnancy tests in the bathroom that, you know, I'll say the same thing. And he's like, you know, something really strange happened, you know, before you came out. And then she just continues, you know, doesn't even acknowledge what he's saying. She's like, you know, I never realized I wanted a family so badly until now. And then she's like, you know, what do you want, a boy or a girl? He's like, oh, I just wanted to be healthy. She's like, yeah. She's like, well, I I want a girl. And then uh, there's like a flash and, and, Clark is in a doctor's office and they find out they're going to have twins. So Clark's like, then he's like, what? He's like, I'm going to be a dad twice. And, um, and they're like, and it's their boys. And she's like, that's what I get for wanting a girl. But then he sees like someone flickering out in the hall. So he goes out there. Lois is still talking and Lois is talking to him, like where he was standing, you know, like he, he, he's not there anymore. And she's just like looking forward. He's like, this isn't real. He goes into hall Morgan edges there and he's like a lifetime full of memories, but none more important than becoming a father. Clark's like, what did you do? Edges like, he's like, you know, easy. He's like, you know, I'd, I'd hate for you to miss a big moment, you know? And then there's another flash. Lois is giving birth. Clark goes um, back into the room and, uh, but then, you know, Superman's now he's worried because Morgan edge knows everything. He knows that he's married to Lois knows he has kids so then it changes that Morgan Edge uh, standing over the, the boys, the baby boys. And uh, he's like, the twin sons of Superman. And then Superman's like, he's getting ready. He's like, I would never harm a newborn. He's like, but teenage boys, that's like a different story or whatever. So then Clark sits up and he's got like this little headband thing on and Edge is there. So they're in a fortress. So he's like, now we can discuss the terms of your surrender. And Superman's like, my sons are not bargaining chip. And Edge is like, you know, I knew you'd be weak after the solar flare, so I followed you here. And he's like, and he's like, what, to extort me? He's like, no, to understand you. He's like, I didn't think that you'd turn your back on your heritage for a human woman. He's like, a man of greatness choosing to be less. Superman says, he's like, threatening my family is not a way to get what you want. Then Jarrell like comes on. He's like, don't listen to him. And Edge is like, that man corrupt corrupted you. Superman says that, you know, he's like, I spoke to our mother and, you know, she believes there's still good in you. Edge is like, he's like, join me of your own free will. And Superman says that he's like, 
he's, he's like, I know, basically. Then Edge is like, then I will make you suffer. He takes uh, Jor-El's crystal, because, you know, Superman's still weak and everything. He starts squeezing it and, like, crushes it. And Jor-El's like, I love you, son. And then he, like, flickers out. So Superman can't talk to Jor-El anymore, which is sucky. <laughs> I mean, I don't think he made a backup. Uh, so Superman's still weak, and then Edge goes up and just starts punching him over and over again. He's like, I dreamed of having a brother, and you rejected me. So back in Smallville, Kyle has like a you know still has a massive headache. Uh, Lois is over you know with him and Lana, and you know so people apparently don't know about the alien presence. Just that Edge was doing stuff to the town. Um, the DoD thought you know it'd be a, a a good idea not to mention the alien stuff. The boys, John and Jordan, are in the like living room with with Sarah. They're like, where's the other daughter? She's like, she, I mean, I guess she's still with with Lana's sister or whatever. So she talks about like seeing her dad as a different person. And stuff like that. And he's, they're like, yes, you know, sometimes, you know, you see parents differently and, you know, you always wonder if they're lying or whatever and whatever, you know, stuff like that. So then she asks if she can get a moment alone with Jordan. And so he apologized for not telling her things, but then she kisses him. She's like, I don't want to be just friends anymore. He's like, me neither. So then there's more kissing. So they're about to leave, but then um, Kyle wants to talk to Lois, you know, for a second. He's like, he's like, I want to apologize for the way I treated you the whole time. She's like, that's, that's okay. He's like, no, it's not. He's like, you know, I was I was wrong about everything, and and you. She's like, you're good people. So Lois and the boys arrive at the farm, and Jonathan's he like, so is it official? Official? And Jordan's like, I guess. And Lois is like, you know, now that you have a girlfriend, you know, like me and your dad are gonna have to have a talk with you about what we expect. Then they're like, Whoosh! they're like, oh, dad's home, but it's not. It's Morgan Edge, and he's like, your father won't be returning anytime soon, which is why Uncle Morgan decided to visit. Then he's like, so this is the life Kal-El has chosen? Lois, she's like, you're not welcome here. Jordan um, like steps up closer. He's like, you have to leave now. And he tries like blasting with his heat vision. But Edge you know, fires back and knocks him down. Lois like, you need to leave them alone. And he's like, it's your fault, whatever. And he's like, but I will leave them alive long enough to see you die. So his eyes start glowing. He's about to zap Lois, but then Superman like stagger lands in front. He's like, he's like, I'll I'll do anything. He's like, just leave them alone. And Edge is like, you have to pledge to me. And Superman, he's like, I submit. And Edge is like, he says to them, he's like, take a good look at the man you knew. It'll be your last. So Superman's like, I'm sorry. He's like, you know, we needed more time. Edge grabs him. Shoom! They fly off. Takes him to his desert fortress. So we see young Morgan Edge with his father's crystal. He throws it in the desert. Rocks and stuff you know, shoot out from the ground to form his his fortress. He says he sees his um, holo dad, whatever, and he tells him it's 1987. Um, he asks him if the Eradicator is, is ready. He's like, no, not yet. And his dad yells at him. He's like, he's like, were you a fool? He's like, the mission was simple. And he says that um, you know he's he's working on it, whatever. So then uh, Morgan Edge's dad says that he'll train him himself. You know, they have to root out weakness. And Edge, he's like, were there any, any other Kryptonians sent to join me? He's like, there's that weakness again. He's like, you don't need anyone. He's like, the first lesson is pain. So it's necessary to, you know, for you to be able to withstand it. So this energy beam starts zapping him. And, you know, he's like, ah. So then Superman sees Morgan Edge's um, dad. And Edge, he's like, what is he doing here? You know, because he doesn't think he needs anyone. But Edge is like, he's submitted. He's like, and, you know, we have the Eradicator. Then uh, his dad's like, then let us begin. So then Lois goes into the house with the boys. She picks up the phone and she's like, John. So she's talking to John Henry Iron. She's like, it's happening. Just like you said it would. 
I think Superman is turned. So this is just crazy. It's like things are happening pretty quickly, which is fine. But it's like, oh, man, it's like Morgan Edge knows everything. So I I applaud that when they, they do these things like fast like this rather than drag it out, you know, make this like a season one cliffhanger or season two, or, you know, whatever. It's just like, nope, he knows now. So this is changing everything. So and there's another episode next week. So we'll see what's going to happen. Okay, Star Wars The Bad Batch, Season 1, Episode 9, Bounty Lost. So, uh, the clones are getting chased and getting shot at by Crosshair. Um, Hunter doesn't want to jump to light speed without Omega, because Omega was taken by Cad Bane last episode. Tech's like, the, the bounty hunter took her. She's like, he's long gone. You know, he already jumped. And he's like, you know, we can't get her if Crosshair shoots us down. So then he's like, all right, jump to light speed. So Omega wakes up in a cell. Toto 360, the Cad Bane's little droid, comes up and he's like limping because his foot got shot off by Hunter accidentally. Cad Bane comes in and um, Omega asks, he's like, you know, where where is he taking her? He doesn't answer. And she's like, oh, you'll be sorry. My friends come after you. And he's like, oh, they're long gone. I made sure of that. It's like, how did he make sure of that? Like, he didn't really do anything. Um, in the cockpit, he calls the Prime Minister Camino and says that he's got the girl alive. So it's going to cost him extra. And um, the the prime minister, uh, the the sort of one, Kaminoan, uh, Kaminoan, <laughs> I can never say that. Uh, that was like really interested in Omega. He doesn't. The prime minister doesn't want to let her go. I'm pretty sure it's her. Doesn't want to let her make the exchange with Cad because of her personal involvement. He says it's caused problems for for them and everything like that. So he's going to send someone else. And he says that uh, when they get the genetic sample they need from Omega, they're going to terminate her. So Toto360 blames that clone for his legs, leg getting shot off. And Omega says that he was just protecting her. She's like, that's what friends do. And she's like, why isn't your friend helping you? And Toto's like, oh, Mr. Bane is quite busy. You know, he's trying to, and uh, Toto's like trying to fix his own leg. And Omega gets an idea. She's like, well, you know, I could fix it, you know, if, if you want. And she's like, it's just a simple booster adjustment. And she's like, I've done it a bunch of times back in Camino. And he's like, well, I'm quite capable of doing my own repairs. And he's like, and you're a prisoner and you're not to be trusted. Because, you know, there's like one of those force field things over her little prison thing. So Echo's like looking up files from Hunter's description. So now they know it was Cad Bane that took Omega. Um, he's had multiple runs with the Jedi. He's responsible for attempting to abduct Chancellor Palpatine. Um, Rucker wonders why two bounty hunters now have been after Omega. And Tech's like, she's more valuable than they realize. He did some, um, he further analyzed her genetic profile and discovered that she has pure first-generation DNA. And Rucker's like, what's that mean? And Tech says that, you know, all clones were created from their host, Jango Fett. Um, their genetic structure was modified for growth, acceleration, and obedience. But Omega is a pure genetic replication, which is like, then how is she a girl? So there still has to be something, whatever. Hunter is like, you know, how many clones like that exist? And Tech's like, to his knowledge, there's only one other, a male clone um, codenamed Alpha, which they later referred to as Boba, but he's disappeared at the start of the war. So now Omega's the only living source of uh, Fett's raw genetic material. So that's why they want her so bad. Um, Echo figures that she's valuable to the cloning facility, so they must have put the bounty on her. Um, Hunter says, you know, check. He's gonna uh, check with Sid to see if her contacts know anything about um, Cad Bane or anything. So Omega's in a. She's still trying to tell Toto. She's like, oh, you're fixing your leg incorrectly. 
And she's like, you know, will you just let me help you? And Toto again says that, you know, she's a prisoner. And Omega's like, exactly. She's like, it's not like I can escape off the ship. And she's like, and I'm, you know, I'm just a kid. And Toto's like, hmm, you know, that's a good point. So he's like, just make it quick and not a, not a word to anyone. So he opens up her cell. Omega gets to work. And she's like, how long have you been with Bane? And Toto's like, many years. He's like, it's like, I'm his trusted confidant. You know, we're partners. And she's like, he's not very nice to you. And Toto's like, oh, on the contrary, his treatment is perfectly adequate most of the time. So Omega's like, fix it. Something's still off a little bit. She's like, oh, I just need to recalibrate the leg. And um, he's like, oh, yeah, that, that feels like it's brand new. But then he like shuts off because Omega shut him off from behind. She's like, sorry. She's like, it's only temporary. So then she's trying to find, like, where's her comm device? Because they, they took it from her and they, they stuck it somewhere. So uh, Cad Bane comes out of hyperspace above a planet. Uh, he calls a Toto because he there's, like, all these clouds and everything around there. And they land on, like, a cloud city-like structure, whatever you call those floating things. I, I forget. There's a name for it. There's, like, a bunch of them. And he keeps calling. And then he goes to look for Toto. And uh, Omega manages to find the comm device. And Cad sees Toto's turned off on the floor so omega somehow manages to run off the ship you would think that there'd be like some lock or something like that it's some, some way he could control it. but she's running she's on the you know the city in the inside it's like all deserted and everything and she's like trying to call on, on the, the comm device sid um told hunter that you know she knows all about bane but not how to find him and so they're on their own and then uh, Omega's signal finally reaches them, but it's like it's not like a strong signal, so it's kind of cutting out. Omega's still running, and it's like very like there's a lot of cloud or mist like in the in these like hallways, and they can't really track her signal. But uh, they they tell if she can create a power surge, they'll be able to if do something. They'll they'll be able to like pinpoint her location. Unfortunately, Bane finds her. Um, they can kind of hear like a struggle. He smashes her calm. So Toto tells Bane that an unidentified ship is coming and Bane hears like a, a laser blast. So Tan Wee is on the ground. So Tan Wee is the, the one from Camino, Caminoian. I, I could I said, could say it before. Uh, Omega sees her there. She's like, oh, she, you know, she goes up. She's like, she needs help or whatever. And Bane's like, that's not a, you know, there's none that you can give her or something like that. And a voice is like, he's right. Because Fennec Shand is, is there. So um, Fennec and Bane obviously know each other, and he's like, "You have no business messing with my score." And she's like, "You know, you know, it's all about the price." She's like, "Besides, she was my score first. So they apparently go way back. And Bane says that you know she lacks experience to go up against him because you know Fennec is still younger here, obviously. And you know she says that she has a payment because she's got like a, a like a basically like a suitcase, a briefcase with the credits or whatever. And Bane's like, you know, he says that's his. So they're like, well, how about a trade? And um, but then Toto comes and grabs the the case of credits from Fennec's hands. Some shooting goes by. Toto actually gets shot, or actually the briefcase gets shot, and Toto goes flying out through like a window. The the case opens up and the credits fall out. So Bane's like, my credits. Omega like uses this opportunity to run like down the hallways, like get away from them. Bane goes after um, Fennec, so they're like fighting and everything like that. He thinks he has a drop on her, but as he goes around a corner, there's like a bomb. So it blows up, sends him flying against the wall, and he knocks him out for a little bit. Omega's going deeper into the place, and she finds this control panel, and she's like hitting a bunch of buttons. She turns on the satellite dish to try to get this power surge signal or whatever to the others. Echo manages to catch a signal, so they know where she's at, so they're headed there now. Fennec um, comes up 
behind Omega and she's like, they won't get here in time. And she's like, you know, you should learn that the only person to trust is yourself. And Omega's like, why'd you kill Tan Wei? And Fennec says it was just part of the job. And she's like, you should thank me. Uh, what the prime minister has planned for you is far worse than, you know, why I'm here. So Fennec says that she's trying to help her. You know, she said that before, you know, so Omega doesn't really believe her. Toto comes in and distracts Fennec. And then Omega manages to get away. So she sees, um, like, she looks over the ledge, like there's like, kind of like a lower level and there's some flight pods down there. So Bane comes up in front of her, but then Fenix behind. So Bane knocks her down, more fighting. You know, she gets up, they're fighting. Omega finds a ladder, starts going down, but then Toto comes and tries, you know, grabbing her, trying to stop her. They get pulled off. She ends, <laughs> actually ends up on top of Toto and they kind of like, you know he's got his little thrusters not super strong so they fall and he kind of like lands on his head which shorts him out for a little bit but you know they're they're fine uh bane and fennec are still fighting so omega gets into a pod and manages to start and everything she flies away but it doesn't really have much fuel so it's starting to go down and she's like there's nothing she can do then there's a thud and the engine stops so the clones found her she, um they they get her like are you in there so she's back and you know she she goes to hunter kind of hugs him you know, she she's like kind of crying she's like why is this happening why are the kamen kaminoians jeez why can i not say that i said it i told i promise you i said it before kaminoians that just doesn't sound right kaminoians that doesn't sound right either anyways echo says to hunter is like you have to tell her so Hunter says that she's valuable to them, you know, more than them or any others. So she's different. And she's like, how? Then it cuts uh Bane realizes that his ship systems have been sabotaged. Fennec takes off on her ship. So he's kind of stuck there and he's going to have to fix it. Uh, Fennec's contact calls for an update. And she says that Omega was rescued by the same clones she encountered on Pandora. Uh, she says, I can track them, but it'll cost extra. So it's um, that other <laughs> Cam Noen the the one that's like very interested in omega and she's like as long as she's not in the prime minister's hands she's safe she's, she's like i'll transfer the payment and fennec's like okay if you change your mind you know how to you know contact me so then um it's like night sort of um omega comes to the cockpit you know hunter's like at the controls everyone else is sleeping and he's like oh you can't sleep huh and she says you know she doesn't want to end up like an experiment in a tube like the place that she was at because there's like these big things and like some tubes and i don't know really what there was and i, I feel like we should have been paying more attention so it must be something for some other place that the Camino. i don't even know where they were at because i don't think it was camino like a different part of camino maybe i i don't know but she's like, you know, she doesn't want to end up like, you know, just some experiment or whatever. And Hunter's like, he says that that's not going to happen. And he's like, they can send everyone in the galaxy and she's safe with them. So Omega's like, she's like, you you can't, you know, fight them all or whatever. And he says that, you know, she's never have to go back to Camino. She's like, promise? And he's like, yes, I promise. And that's where it ends. So it was good. Uh, I, yeah, I would say it's a good episode. Um you know, more, we, we know now why, what makes Omega special, you know, we, we knew that there was something like that and, you know, it's building up the, the bond between them. I still think that they need to prepare, you know, she needs some sort of weapons or, or armor. I mean, she has her, her crossbow thing, but obviously she was taken. And so you, they got to figure something out how to protect her. And, um, it was, it was good seeing more, more Fennec and Cad Bane, seeing them, you know, fight each other and all that. So overall it was, it was good. I enjoyed it. 
um, where are they going to go next? Because now the bounders, not, I don't know if they'll still be sending bounty hunters after them. Because uh, the prime minister is probably not going to be happy when he finds out that Cad Bane had her and then she got away. And um, yeah, because he's not going to know who, who sent Fennec. He doesn't know. So we'll see. Okay, now Loki, Season 1, Episode 3, Lamentus. This this was an interesting episode. Uh, I, I'm still really enjoying the show, and I like that it's a, it's a little different. It's like kind of doing things like on its own and at its own pace. So it was really interesting to see how this unfolded. So it starts off, we see C-20, so the, the TVA agent that was taken by uh, Lady Loki, whatever you want to call her. Sylvie, uh, they're having drinks with like umbrellas or I guess they're margaritas and they're like in normal clothes. So it's like, what the heck is going on? And uh, so C20 is talking about like brain freezes and Sylvie's like, you know, a brain freeze is really like the synapses are frozen in time and you know, you can't answer anything until they unfreeze. And she's like, no, it's, that's not true. So she's she like, let's test it, whatever. So she's like, okay. So she takes another drink and then Sylvie's like, how many people are guarding the timekeepers? And C20 is like, I'm sorry, what? And then suddenly it gets a little darker and noisier in the room. So it's like, wait, what, what's going on? Then Sylvia mentions, she's like, oh, you know, you, look how long we've been best friends. You know, you can tell me anything, right? And she's like, yeah, yeah. And she's like, so why won't you tell me how many people are guarding the timekeepers? And she starts to answer and then she stops. And she's like, she's like, I, I remember. I was like, I know this place or something like that. She's like, but I don't know you. Then we see her like out like uh, somewhere else and sylvie's holding like a green finger to her temple so now she's in her age so she's in her, her uniform and she's like oh you're probably just tired and, and she's like yeah you're right i'm probably just tired so then she's like how do i find the elevators and she and then c20's like they're gold and sylvie sees loki and mobius coming like outside so she sees them on a the screen so they're at the store from where we saw last episode so then uh sylvie appears so after that whole encounter She's at the TVA, so she pour, like ported, like opened a portal into there. She walks down the hall. Uh, she zaps a guard. Um, you know, it, it doesn't really work. You know, she so she takes his baton and disintegrates him. Then she fights two more in the hall. Loki comes up behind her in a portal. He's like looking around. He looks, you know, and then he sees like the lockers where his blades are. So he takes his. He's got his two daggers. Sylvie takes out more, um, two more guards by a gold elevator. Loki arrives down the hall. And he's like, oh, I just have a few questions. So then she pulls out a sword. They start like circling around each other. And he's like, are you a Loki? And she's like, in my own way. And then he's like, um, he's he says something like, you are my way or something like that. They start fighting and everything. And then she says that, or he says he thought that they could work together. She just kicks him or whatever. And she says like, you lack vision. So there's more fighting. Then Judge Ravona and two guards come. And uh, then she grabs Loki. She puts a, a knife to his neck. She's like, stay back or I'll kill him. And Ravona's like, go for it. And she doesn't care. But then, you know, as they come closer, Loki opens a portal beneath them and they like fall and they like land on their backs. And she tries zapping him away. But um, the the device, because she, she grabs it and it's like out of juice. So he teleports behind her and shoves her. He gets the device. To t it's a temp pad. And... Um, she, so she, she, he gets it back. She's like, you don't even know how to recharge it. He's like, of course I do. He's like, you're not the only tech savvy Loki. And she's like, don't ever call me that. And he's like, tech savvy? And she's like, no, a Loki. So then some like something like some blast between them. And she's like, where did you send us? 
so that we find out um, that they're on Lamentus One, and it's like this big like crater filled world, and there's like all these like it's like being bombed or something like that. It's like year twenty seventy seven. And there's like, uh, you see, a, it, I thought at first it was a ravaged moon, like in the sky, but it's really a planet that's like destroyed. So they they exit a tent. She's like, you idiot, this is Lamentus One. And he's like, I don't know what that means. So there's like more explosions like right by them. She's like, it's a moon that that planet is about to destroy. So they start running. There's like more like meteors and stuff like hitting them or by them. She's like, I need you alive now because you have the device. She's like if you blow up, it blows up and I'm stuck here. So, because you know he's got it hidden somewhere on him with magic or something like that. She keeps calling like a magician. So they run to this like little structure, this in this whatever this mining structure thing, and she gets close to him, and then she tries using her powers on him, and he slowly raises his head. He's like, "What are you doing?" And she's like, "What are you doing?" And he's like, "You're trying to enchant me." It's like it won't work. And she's like, "Why? Because you're a magician?" He's like, "No, because my mind is is too strong." So they get ready to fight again, and they're, even though they're in this like little room, he's like, "Well, why don't we, you know, have a truce?" And she's like, you know, that plan you interrupted, it was years in the making, years. And she's like, as soon as we get the temp pad running, she's like, I'm going to go straight back to the TVA to finish what I started. And she's like, and then I'll probably kill you. He's like, well, I'll kill you or something like that. So she's like, there's power somewhere on, on the moon. They just need enough for it to, so they can do like interdimensional travel or something like that. And she said that, you know, there's a town nearby. So they go there. He calls it a variant. And she's like, don't call me that. And then he's like, well, I'm not going to call a faded photocopy of myself Loki. And she's like, good. Because she's, she's like, that's not who I am anymore. She's like, I'm Sylvie now. So she possibly still is like Lady Loki, but she's calling herself Sylvie. So it's not the same Sylvie from the comics. So whatever. And uh, so she says, she, you know, she's she's uh, Sylvie. And he's trying to figure out what her plan is. You know, what what does she want to do? Destroy the TVA and create a power vacuum and just walk away? Whatever. He's like, I would never do that. And she's like, Yeah, good. Whatever. So they they make it to town. More bickering along the way. They arrive at this other little structure, and and you know they're about to go. And Loki's like, You know, brute force is no substitute for diplomacy and guile. And she just ignores and whatever. She kicks the door open. She gets like shot by you know some blast and goes flying. And Loki kind of, he tries talking to the lady inside and she has this big gun and he like peeks in a window and he sees like a picture on a table of the lady with some dude. So he changes appearance to look like this guy. And he's like, he's like, oh, it's like, it's so nice to see you again after so long. And she's like looking at him and then she blasts him because she's like, he never spoke that nicely to me or whatever. He's like, you two are, aren't travelers. You're just the devils or something like that. And they're like, where is everyone? They're like, they're at the evacuation vessel and Sylvie's like, there should be enough energy there. So there's a train station nearby. But the, the lady's like, you'll never get a ticket. So as we see that the people in line, some they said that they've been in line for hours. So Loki says that they're doing it his way. So he changes his outfit into like one of the uniforms of these people there, like these blue uniforms. And he's kind of like escorting Sylvie through. One guy asks for the ticket, and Loki's like, oh, you know, whatever. And then Sylvie, she touches him and enchants him, and the guy's, this other guy comes up, he's like, is there a problem here? He's like, oh, no, I just remembered that, you know, they radioed ahead to, you know, to let these two on board or something like that. So inside, they're, like, in this kind of, like, lounge area. They, they sit at a table. There's more bickering about, like, you know, who's going to sit where and, and stuff like that. She's she kind of yawns. He's like, oh, you're tired or something like that. She's like, yeah, I can't sleep here. He's like, why not? He's like, I can't sleep around untrustworthy people. 
And she's like, well, why don't you sleep? And he's, she's like, don't worry, I'm not going to root around you just, you know, because of your magic or something like that. And then he asked her, he's like, um, or she asked who, who taught him. And he's like his mother. So she asks about her. Um, and Sylvie says that, you know, they're, they're talking about stuff, some stuff. And he, she's like, like, yeah, I knew I was adopted. And he's like, they told you? And because, you know, they, he didn't find out till later. And Sylvie's like, I barely remember my mother. And Loki's talking about his and, you know, saying that she was the type of person that you wanted to be near you. And then he asked her how she learned her, like, enchant stuff and she's like i taught myself and he asks if and he has he asks if she has anyone waiting for him or something like that and she's like yeah it's a long distance thing or whatever and then she asks him if there's a you know he's a prince is there you know any ladies out there or, or guys or, or something like that and so this is what a lot of people are making a big deal about this because he kind of like acknowledges that he's been with girls and guys or ladies and guys and but you know no one really you know long lasting or something like that so so yeah it's it's out there okay but it's just like there's like nothing really super acknowledged i don't know you know it, so she she suggested they rest because you know they're gonna have you know a lot to do coming up she wakes up and loki's like singing there and and uh, the bunch of people are just like kind of clapping along or something like that and she gets up she's like where's your uniform because he's back to his like tva you know variant jacket and um, you see, like, one scowling-looking guy, he, like, leaves, and she sees that. So he's, like, singing, when she sings, she sings, come home, and all these people are like that. And he, like, finishes his drink, because he's been drinking a lot, because, like, some lady offered him champagne, but Sylvie didn't want any, so he took both of them, whatever. So he, he finishes his drink, <laughs> and he, like, throws it down, another! <laughs> so kind of like how Thor did in, in the first movie. And she grabs him, she's, she's like, you're drunk, and he's like, no, I'm not, whatever. And she's like, where's your uniform? He's like, no one cares, it's the end of the world. And she's like, well, some people are looking at you suspiciously. And, you know, then they're talking about different things. And he's like, I, I kind of reali realized or something because they're talking about love. And she's like, love is hate or something like that. And he's like, oh, let me write that down. You know, it's so insightful. He says, I figured out it's like love is a dagger. It's, it's a weapon to be wielded up close or far away. And, you know, some stuff like that. And but then uh, the scowling guy returns with a couple guards and then they ask Loki for his ticket. He's like, oh, so he takes out his hand. And he tries to make one, but he makes a he did some little fireworks before he showed Sylvie that. And he's like, oops. So they grab him. Um, one puts a hand on his chest, like pretty hard, and he does it back. And he do so then they, they start fighting. And like Loki kind of knocks some guy through the window, but then he gets thrown through the window. So Sylvie sees this, so she has to go jump after him because he has a temp pad. So um they they go there they're, they're, they're they stumble over they're outside the train on, on a, you know outside and um she like takes out her sword and she like, like demands like you know where's the the temp pad he pulls it out and it's kind of like fizzling or whatever he's like well i did take a tumble so she's like ticked off she does this big scream or something like that and she just goes and like sits down so he comes sits next to her and he's like did the scream make you feel better and she's like yeah it, it did she's like you should try it and so they're looking, you know, the moon is about to be destroyed. And then you're talking about, you know, there's an arc there and it never leaves because it's destroyed. He's like, uh, maybe we should take it and fly off the moon. And she's because he's like, you know, the arc never had us on board it before. So they could do this. The whole thing, like what they talked about with the apocalypse and the, if they're if they're all meant to to die, you know, they could still take it and no one's they can do whatever they want. So they're walking, you know, to the next town. 
And he's like, I don't think I've ever walked so much in my entire life. And then, then he, he's thinking, he's like, you know, I've told you so much and you've hardly said anything. So then she's like, okay. Cause he asked her how she does enchantment thing. And she's like, okay, I, I have to make physical contact. Then I have to, you know, take over their mind. And uh, sometimes I have to create a fantasy from their memories to take over the stronger minds. And she talks about like the TVA agent. She's like, yeah, I had to pull a memory from hundreds of years prior before she even fought for them. And this like surprises Loki. He's like, what? And Sylvie's like, yeah, she was just a regular person on Earth who loved margaritas. He's like, no. It's like, I was told that everyone who works for the TVA were created there. And she's like, well, that's wrong. She's like, they're all variants like us. And he's like, but they don't know that. So they arrive at another city. It's like final boarding call for the, the space arc or whatever. And then she's like, okay, do we trust each other? Because, you know, this we're going to need it all. She's like, this is going to suck. So um, it's five minutes until launch. There's a crowd of people outside. You know, it's maybe yelling, let us in or whatever. And then, you know, they're trying to make their way through the crowd, trying to go around instead of going like straight down the middle of this town or whatever. The, the planet kind of cracks in half. So there's more projectiles, bigger pieces flying. Um, they're, they're running. Like explosion comes, ears ringing. They get thrown back. They start going again. Some soldiers are trying to stop them. It's like, really? It's like, okay, the world is about to... You're, this is what you're, you're going to spend your last moments fighting these people. Uh, the buildings are starting to crumble and everything like that. People are running and screaming. More guards grab them. But then they, they, they're pretty close to it, but it's like it's too late. So they're just like standing there staring and then Sylvie just like walks away because what are they going to do now? And that's where the episode ends. So it's just like, um, how are they going to get off this 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 planet? Because uh, they have like no way, you know, something's going to have to happen, but no idea where that's going. So what what I like about this is, uh, you know, the whole thing with with Lady Loki and Sylvie. They, they could have dragged this out longer. Like, who is she? But it was like we find out right away, pretty much. You know, she is a Loki she's just different and you know she's stopped calling herself loki and you know she's formed her own identity or whatever and so it's it's kind of interesting whether that's that's true or not you know she could still be lying about that but i guess we'll have to see and uh yeah so it, i i enjoyed seeing him away from like the tva and going on this mission and and there you know there was some of the, the kind of cliche bantering arguing between them but it was fine. Yeah, I, I thought it was entertaining, so uh, so I, I enjoyed that, and we'll we'll have to see how are they going to get off of the, off of this planet now. Okay, then uh, I want to briefly. So first movie feature, briefly want to talk about Luca. So this came out last week, last last week on on Disney Plus. So this is a Pixar movie. And it was supposed to come out in theaters, but because of COVID, they decided not to, which is kind of surprising because with more. Um, theaters being open they they could do it and i i know it had like super limited run i think it was at the el capitan theater i heard it was playing there and i think like in other um countries that don't have disney plus you know it's it's and playing in theaters there but the the thing about the movie is it was a fine movie it i almost i can't really it doesn't feel like it would be like a theatrical release and I, you know, I hate to say that, you know me, I don't like to say anything like you're really negative or anything like that, but it was just fine. I mean, it's, it's Pixar and I, I don't know if we've just gotten too spoiled by, you know, how great everything looks. I mean, it does look good. You know, there's a lot of water CG, which, you know, is always something that where you can kind of shine with making it look realistic and all that. But 
I just I wasn't completely blown away with it. And as I was watching it, I was like, all right, this is fine. And maybe it's getting to the point where this movie wasn't necessarily directed made for me. You know, maybe it's just, you know, it's about two kids and like their friendship and stuff like that. Or then there's a girl too. So maybe, you know, it's not meant for me. So maybe like younger, you know, viewers might appreciate it a little more. So, you know, there there's some some funny moments and, you know, the, the stories it's good but like i said it's just it was just all right so i i don't know i mean i I found myself a little bored at at times a little getting a little distracted like where's my phone no i gotta keep my phone down and stuff like that so what the story is is you know we have these like sea monsters um so luca is is a sea monster he's kind of bored with life you know he's got to do the same thing and you know take like a school of fish out to to graze somewhere and, and whatever and uh, there's a, he, he finds some human artifacts that like fell off a boat because there is like something that happened earlier with uh, these two fishermen. And there's like a sea monster or something that they were like freaking out and some stuff fell in the water. So he's like really curious about this, but you know, they're not supposed to do anything because he also, they live by this island where it's all the people in the town because it's like off. Oh, so some Italian town, a little whatever place. So there's this island that people like avoid because supposedly that's there's that's where monsters live and stuff like that. Basically, at one point, Luca goes out a little bit and uh, he meets this other sea monster, Alberto. And Alberto, when he goes out of the water, basically when the sea monsters go out of the water, they turn human. And Luca had no idea of this because you know his parents are. are they're, they're very protective or anything like that. And, you know, he, so he he's, there's no reason for him, you know, they always warn him not to go near the surface and all this stuff like that. So he, he goes out there and we find out that Alberto lives on the island. You know, there's like this old decrepit building and he's got a bunch of stuff there. And, and, you know, he's, he's teaching Luca different stuff that like his dad taught him before he left or something like that and everything like that and like one of the things you know he has this poster of this of a vespa like an ad and he's saying with the vespa you can you know go anywhere you want in the world and so they're they're kind of making these plans where you know that's what they're going to do just the two of them going off and because you know uh, luke is spending more and more time with them and so they they decide that they're going to do this and they realize that if they, because you're from the island, you can see the mainland, so they have to go there. And Luca's like really hesitant, or whatever, but Alberto convinces him to do that. And then what it turns out that there is a this like race triathlon thing that's going to happen there. And if they win, they'll be able to get a Vespa because like the guy that won is like this uh, rich, annoying kid who's not really a kid. He's like he says he's younger than he really is because he has a Vespa. So they're they're they think that if they can win this triathlon, they'll be able to get a Vespa and, and drive away. They make friends with this girl who lives with her father. He's a fisherman and uh you know so he lets them stay with them because you know they're visiting town or whatever like that. So they're they're kind of training and stuff like that. And then basically Luca starts kinda um not, I don't know necessarily developing a crush on, on Julia, the girl, but you know, they're getting closer and this is kind of bothering Alberto a little bit because they're supposed to be like, you know, best friends and they have this plans and uh, Luca's kind of like pulling away a little bit. And so it's stuff like that. And yeah, so I mean, it's, it's a, it's a good movie and you know, there's going to be some problems that come up and you know, are the monsters going to get discovered and what's going to happen and 
everything like that. So there's there's some fine moments, and like I said, the animation's fine. But there's just some, I don't know, and maybe it was after after seeing Soul that that was just like such a powerful movie in a way, you know, for what it was. And so this was this was just okay. Um, Luca is voiced by Jacob Tremblay. So Jacob was in the movie Room with uh, Brie Larson. So it was good. Um, Jack, uh, Alberto's Jack Dylan Grazer. So he played uh, Eddie Kasparik in uh, It. In the, the, he was the young Eddie in, in the movies. And um, there's some other people like Maya Rudolph's in this Jim Gaffigan. Um, but yeah, I just... I thought it was just a, it was it was a it was a fine movie. It was good. It wasn't spectacular. It didn't blow me away. I don't know if I would watch it anytime soon. Uh, if I had like a younger kid, I, w- I would say, yeah, hey, let's watch this. You know, because there's there's some some fun moments, but yeah, I don't know what it was. So I I guess I'm glad that I'm glad I got to watch it on Disney Plus. I'm glad I didn't have to pay extra. And I'm, you know, I, I'm glad I didn't have to pay to see it in the theater because I don't know if I would have. I, I feel bad saying that because you know I I do like the Pixar movies, but th- it's not a bad movie. It's just it was just an okay. It was just it was a good movie. It was it was fine, but it wasn't. It didn't blow me away. So yeah, so that's gonna be a. I guess that's all I really have to say about Luca because you know I don't want to spoil the rest. And um, well, the animation looks great. You know, it's just, it looks really good. Uh, the, the character designs, you know, that's always the thing. It's like, okay, how, how do you want to make the the characters look like? Because they're not complete. You know, they are a little more cartoony than than realistic. And that's fine because I like that they mix things up a little bit. Because, you know, if, if you look at, like, the way um, Soul was compared to this, compared, you know, other things. So it's like, you know, yeah, you don't want to make all the people look the same, even though I know they, they try to do the continuity with, you know, the little Easter eggs and stuff like that. You know, there are Easter eggs in, in here, but there, there's that. Like, I think the, whatever, I'm not going to go into those. So if you have Disney Plus, it's worth checking out at some point. You know, I would say you don't need to rush to see it immediately, but it was good. You know, if you're a fan of the Pixar movies, watch it. But um, yeah, it was definitely not, not my favorite of the Pixar's and I'm I'm sorry but that's how it is. All right, the movie feature F9, The Fast Saga. Is it called a Fast Saga or is it just F9? I don't even know anymore. <laughs> this this movie it's I I don't even I I'm I'm almost like speechless. This movie is ridiculous in a good way. You know, if, if you, I know there's like hardcore, you know, audience for for these movies, and I'm sure they they love this movie. Now, so here's the thing. I don't know. I don't remember what I've said about this before. I hadn't seen all these movies. I th- I think I may have mentioned this before, but like when the movie came out, I saw the first one, not in the theater, and I was like, okay, this is this is all right movie. I hadn't seen any, any other ones, and then last summer. I don't even think I saw the second one. Did I see the second one? No, I didn't. So last summer, I watched two, three, four, and five. And then I saw Hobbs and Shaw when it came out in theater. Was that last summer? When did Hobbs and Shaw come out? That wasn't last year, was it? No, that came, that came out in 2019. So maybe I watched them. I must have watched them. Was it two years ago? Jeez, it feels like it was last year. Anyways, so I had only seen the first five movies. 
<laughs> and I think I watched like three or four of them in like one night. Maybe I watched three in one night. I think I watched three in one night. Two, three. Or maybe, I don't know. Anyways, who cares, right? So I hadn't seen the other ones. And then I was like, oh, I, I have time to watch it. So last week I watched six, seven, and then I watched eight. And then I was like, why not this week or the week before a couple days? I, I watched, uh, I was like, I watched Hobbs and Shaw again because chronologically that's when it fits. And oh, so I'll, I've watched a lot of Fast and the Furious. And, you know, the movies are fine. They keep getting more and more absurd, like more and more over the top. And, like, one of the things joking with the spoilers, there's going to be some spoilers, not, not full on spoilers or whatever. But it's like, you know, when they go up against, you know, they, they, they go up against a, a plane. They parachute, cars parachute out of a plane. And then uh, there's a submarine. They fight a submarine. You know, it's like all this stuff is like, what could you possibly do, you know, after, after like the, the parachuting? <laughs> and that literally, it, it made me LOL out loud. I laughed seeing them, the, these cars coming out of, out of plane. Because it's like you think there's got to be a more efficient way to do this to send a car out of a cargo plane with a big giant parachute and then hoping it's going to land just right on the road and right. And of course it does, except for one. So then I was like, what did what, you know, so, you know, just talking about this. What's what could they possibly do next? Go to space. And guess what? They go to space and they don't just go to into space. They go into space in a Pontiac Fiero, but it 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 kind of kind of makes. Is it even possible? It's it must. They must have sealed it and everything. But I'm getting ahead of myself. <laughs> so they went went to space. They had they had thrusters. So uh, okay, I'll just get to this place. This part. I'm I'm totally going out out of order here. Dominic Dom because he knows everyone. He knew a knew a couple guys who are test trying to put a rocket on a car to see how fast they can go and everything. And they picked a Pontiac Fiero, which is weird because when uh it, when when they first show it, it like blows up. But then they use it, so they must have put the pieces. Maybe I don't know. Maybe just a rocket blew up. So what they do is when they decide because they have to get this, they have to take out the satellite out in space. Evil plans. Satellite's gonna uh, worse than a cipher. Charlie Storon's um, evil plans. If if you watch the other ones, so they have to take out the satellite, and they they put the Fiero. It has some thrusters. You know, it's on top of a plane, like a, a jet, whatever. They they're trying to map out the trajectory. You know, when they could release it and it would go, and then it launches the thrusters and take off, and then release the thrusters and it'd be out in space. And they do all that stuff, and it's all about the math. You know, Tej is like trying to do the calculations and all this, and uh, but it's like him and I keep forgetting his name, Ramsey. Um, what's his name? Uh, Tyrese. His character. His character cracks me up. And when the first movie, or like the first couple, I was like, man, this guy. He's just you know because he's just so arrogant and everything. But he he just cracks me up in all these movies. Like when parachuting out and it didn't work, and he was didn't want to do it. And um, so, anyways, so. Uh, Tej, uh, so Ludacris and uh, um, Tyrese, they they go out in space, and they're not even like in real spacesuits. 
These are like like scubas, you know. It's because at one point, Tej, ludicrous. You know, he's got like his glove has like a hole in it, so he puts duct tape around it. And, and Tyrese is like, "You, you're gonna put." You know, he's like flipping out. Roman, that's his name, right? Roman. <sighs> so yeah, they they do all that. So, anyways, um, one of the things that I I kind of like it starts off in 1989, and we see uh, Dom's dad. And, you know, he's at, at the racetrack and he, you know, he's, he's racing. So Dom and his brother, Jacob are in the pit crew and everything like that. And, uh, you know, they're going up against this other guy, rival guy who has like some dirty tactics and everything like that. So you, you see more about it. One of the things I didn't realize, and I don't, I don't think it was a secret or anything like that, but John Cena plays Vin Diesel's brother. Okay. They don't look totally alike, but. You have that. They don't quite look like they're younger. But anyways, I thought it was kind of it was kind of interesting to see the younger ones. And as I'm watching this, I was like, they could start doing a bunch of prequel, you know, Fast and the Furious movies because you know they're doing so many of these and everything. But you know, we we, we something happens and there's like a falling out between Dom and his brother, which is going to put them on opposite sides. And because you know Jacob is kind, you know John Cena is kind of the bad working with the bad guys here and everything like that. So. In the present, Dom's retired. Him and, and Letty are with their, with Dom's son, Brian, which I still think it's weird that he would name him Brian because in the movie universe, Brian, Paul Walker, is still alive. You know, sadly, Paul Walker is not in real life, obviously. But it, it's weird that he would name someone after... It's like, hey... Because, you know, Han was killed, so like, why not call him Han, you know, in honor of him, but... And I, I still think it's weird that Jason Statham killed Han, and then they end up working with him reluctantly. But uh, that's a whole other thing. So uh, they're sort of retired. They're living like out, kind of like in the middle of nowhere, like in the woods or whatever, and just you know, peaceful life and all that. You know, out of the away from the craziness. But then um, Roman Tej and Ramsey come up, and they're like. Uh, something happened to Mr. Nobody, Kurt Russell's character, because he's like the secret government dude. Um, he was like taken down or something like that because his plane was attacked and there's like this distress signal going out. So they, they, they need his help. But he's like, I, I'm, I'm done with that. He's because they're like, well, we, you know, we have to, we have to go. We have to get him because, you know, fate of the world. And but he's like, he can't, can't do anything. But then. Letty's like she's gonna go. She she's got to do this. So she she goes, and then somehow overnight, Dom realizes that he has to go. You know he has to protect his son, and while he wants to stay and help him, he realizes that, that this is bigger than that. But then what I don't understand is like, who watched the kid? If they're in the middle of nowhere, like where do they they send? Because he shows up at like the airport place where they're going. So unless it's close, like maybe he drove by Brian's house and say, "Hey, can you watch my kid while I go over here?" But it, they don't explain it. So he he gets in involved in, in all that, and then that's where it, it begins, and um, it just gets crazy. You know, they get attacked, and sh- and at one point, Tyrese he's like, "We must be invincible," because you know he's thinking about like all the things that they've done. And he's like, I don't have a single scar on me, <laughs> and there's some other things. But but they kind of they kind of go all over the, the place. Um, where's the first place they went? I know they end up going to Edinburgh, Edinburgh, um, and they they go in London. There's one part where they have these like giant magnets in the back of this truck, 
and they're like turning them on and off and um they end up getting the our good guys get in the truck and they're they're kind of using it and everything but it's weird because so many people would be just things would be flying like if you there's some people like with phones and devices in their hands they get ripped it gets ripped out of their hands because these magnets are super strong so it would like tear your finger off or whatever and like there's like stuff flying through buildings so you would think that there's these stuff would be if they're flying able to fly through glass and structure whatever it's like are they gonna be flying through people as well and then one part that really bothers me, it's like it, as ridiculous as everything is, at one point they're they're, they're chasing um, Jacob, uh, John Cena, and they kind of veer off in different ways. You know, the road kind of splits off. So they turn it on and they pull his car through the building onto the side of the truck. But then it's like, what about all every time they they use the magnets? None of the other cars were, you know, or they were doing some things where like cars would come. And maybe this is like later in the movie where they were, you know, using it, turning it on and off. And when they turned it off, it must have been sending like an opposite um, attraction because it's sending them. It just gets really crazy. It's like these giant magnets and everything like that. But um, other than that, um, obviously, you saw the trailer, you know, Han's alive. How, what, how can Han be alive? He, uh, Jason Statham, his character uh, Deckard Shaw, took him out, and he blew up. He was right there. There, there's no way he could get out, right? Well, you have to watch the movie because I'm not going to spoil that. Um, as far as how he can come back, parallel Earth, parallel universes, it makes sense. I, it's like okay, <laughs> you can do that. Um, all right. <laughs> so it it works. So it, it's. <laughs> I don't even know what was the point, but other than that, it's it was a fine movie. I mean, it's it's just crazy and driving, and everyone is is a is a great driver. And more backwards driving, <laughs> the bane of my driving existence. I could never do that. It's just a and like this, like I forgot who was who was driving backwards, but it's like they weren't even looking because you know usually when they drive backwards, they're looking over their shoulder. Whoever was doing it, they're I think they're like looking out their like side mirror. It's like, no, I can never do that. I don't know what my problem is. I just avoid it, I guess. So, um, basically, I mean, it's, it's a, like I said, it's a ridiculous movie, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. You come to expect that in these movies. I mean, they just keep getting crazier and crazier and crazier. A fear out in space. It's just, it's, it's nuts. What are they going to do? So there, and and I, I'm 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 glad and I'm surprised that that uh, Justin Lin's directing this because you know he's he's the dude and you know and with with all this movie, he's supposed to be doing the tenth one too. And I guess most of the people are coming back and it's just it's crazy. So the movie um, apparently has like a two hundred plus million dollar budget, which it seems like it should have more, but I, that's what Wikipedia says. Uh, apparently at the box office so far it's made like 300 million over 300 million and that's like around the world so when you think about this you know when they decided to not release it a year ago like they could have done like on demand and do all that they're like no we're gonna wait and it's it's made a lot of money like around the world and this is like the highest grossing movie since the pandemic started and again they made a, a brilliant decision i mean it was like an obvious decision because this movie is this franchise is huge around the world 
So, um, yeah, it's just, you know, China, Russia, South Korea, it's, it's big everywhere. So it's, uh, it's kind of like a no brainer. It's a no brainer that there's going to be a 10th movie and probably like another Hobbs and Shaw movie. And, um, I don't know if they're still going to do that. Like the, the, the woman fast and furious spinoff tie, whatever. I don't even know. But yeah, so it's a, it's like I said, it's absolutely nuts. It's bonkers. It's bananas. It's, it's all of that. And if, if you're a fan of any of them, you know, you, you obviously you want to watch this. It's just, it's so ridiculous, but yeah, it's what you expect in these movies. So I, what are they going to do next? How, how can they possibly, I thought they were going to tone things down a little bit when, you know, when we're seeing the flashback and everything, I was like, Oh, okay. More character development. (laughs) <laughs> character development in the fest. so there you go uh yeah so i i don't think i have anything else to say because i don't want to spoil anything but you should definitely watch it if you even remotely kind of like it or if you've watched it, it does help if you watch the other i'm so i'm glad I, I caught up and i watched all the movies uh but it's just it's it's bonkers so it was worth the wait. You know, it was supposed to come out a year ago, and I was like, oh, you know, I you know, kind of want to see it. But it gave me more time to watch the other ones. But, uh, you know, it, I, I, it's, it was good. So <laughs> there you go. So that was F9, and I can't believe there's been nine of these movies. Ten if you count Hobbs and Shaw, which, it, whatever. So that's going to be it for, for a fast night. And that is also going to be it for this 200th episode. So thank you for being here. And thank you for helping me reach 200. Big, you know, uh, seriously, big um, reason that we're at 200 is because of Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken. So they have been huge supporters week after month after month, week after week um, on Patreon. You can be a supporter by going to Patreon, patreon.com slash gmanformec. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. And if you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. Um, so what last week was, I talked about movies instead of comics for once. Because so I talked about Resident Evil Degeneration. That was a 2008 movie. This week is going to be Resident Evil Damnation. And then, spoiler, the following week is going to be Resident Evil Vendetta, 2017. So the, these are the CG Resident Evil movies. And and they're good. I'm, I like them. They, they progressively get better, as you would expect. So you, you can um, hear all about those. But if you can't commit to a monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash gmanfromheck. And you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or five. That is ko-fi.com slash gmanfromheck. So what is going to be next week's feature? Uh, not sure. Do I ever know? Uh, maybe... Um, the Tomorrow War. So that's the, the Chris Pratt movie, maybe. I, I feel like there's something else. See, and this is a thing. You would think by 200 episodes, I would have it down where I would kind of know I have it. So I know Tomorrow War is coming out. That comes out on the 2nd. So there will be that. Um, we'll have to see. But then the, the, the Forever Purge is coming out, too. <laughs> I don't know if it, I'm I'm I'm, I'm kind of excited for I'm looking forward to that I I don't remember when that comes out I don't know if that's gonna be that might be the following week maybe that's gonna be like around the fourth when is the fourth is that Sunday so it doesn't make they can't release a movie on a Sunday I don't know but um yeah we have all those and then also coming up the following week is gonna be Resident Evil Infinite Darkness on Netflix 
which is why I've been doing these Resident Evil movies on the secret podcast. So there is a reason for all of this. So anyways, uh, yeah, we'll see what what else, you know, all the other stuff that's going to be on there. Um, Rick and Morty, Legend. Actually, I don't know if is there. Le- yeah, I think there's Legends and Flash and Superman and Loki. I, did something else? I don't even know. It. Anyways, that is going to be it. So again, thank you for helping me reach 200. What's our next milestone? Uh, again, you know, 208. That's the, the two-year anniversary. So... Yeah, I, I will keep doing this, you know, as long as you guys are here, you know, keep listening, keep downloading. Um, if you could support in any way, you know, even if it's, you know, coffee.com slash gman from heck, you know, just a, a little bit here and there, it, it helps immensely more than more than words can say. So, so thank you for listening. Um, I'm getting like punch drunk now. So that is going to be it. Thank you. I appreciate I love you guys and gals you are awesome i i i appreciate you here having my back so it means more i already said this it means so much to me so thank you i applaud you and i will talk to you guys next week but make sure you remember to be good to each other